Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good afternoon and welcome into Grant and Danny. January 18th, 2024. Back in our Half Street studios on a Thursday for the first time since the start of the football season. Because we'd been out at Rudy's Golf every single Thursday. So, if you were planning on going out to Rudy's to see us today out of habit, don't. We are here, but you should go hang out. Just go to Rudy's anyway. At Rudy's because they took great care of us all year long, and uh, we love the folks over at Rudy's. Good food and a great environment. That, you know, Ron Rivera talked about leaving a good culture. It's a good culture. The employees have fun. Agreed. Everybody's very nice. I like it over there. So you could still go over there. Just don't expect to see us today. I Don't get me wrong. I love coming in here, doing the show. It's the coolest. I like I like doing it at Rudy's though. I got used to it. Seventeen weeks with or eighteen weeks rather with one Thanksgiving interrupting in between, just hammering delicious food, chatting about sports with some really really kind folks. So I miss you, Rudy's. I'll see you soon. I'll be there with the fam. But that Thursday appointment, that's a hole in my calendar now. We're going to be giving away Wizards tickets to a game you're going to want to go to. They are playing the Nuggets, and they're you're going to get to see Joker. 3 o'clock today, we've got those tickets in 55 minutes. You better be listening. That's when Sean Sharif joins us from our sister station in Dallas. Got a lot to ask him about. Specifically, though, Dan Quinn's interviewing for the commander's head coaching job with Adam Peters and the rest of ownership and the consulting group that they brought in today. What kind of head coach will Dan Quinn be in his second go-round? He was the head man in Atlanta. He got them to the Super Bowl at one point in time, and he's been a tremendous Defensive coordinator in Dallas over the last few years. One of the best defenses in the sport. He did get undressed, I thought, by Matt LaFleur and the Packers this past weekend. That was not a good look for him. But we'll talk to Sean Sharif about that. Plus, the Cowboys decided to bring back Mike McCarthy. And there are some Dak Prescott questions. He wants $50 million or so per year this season on his new negotiation he'll be working on. What did you think about last night's big announcement, though? McCarthy's coming back. That's what I expected. Because Jerry Jones lets guys go. I, I think it's the same complex maybe that Ted Leonsis. doesn't let guys go, actually. Well, yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, I, I think Ted Leonsis at times has had that's a similar complex where he knows better than the than the rabid fan or knows better than the average guy and will show you how smart I am. And he looked around at the landscape and said, you know, I'm going to keep Mike McCarthy. It's it's probably what I would have done, to be honest with you, maybe with some, some shifts and changes and some reworking of things. But the popular sentiment that he was going to fire the guy doesn't, 
really taken into consideration what he's done for the last 20-some years. I know he fired Jimmy Johnson 30 years ago. I'm aware of that. I know that happened. I keep saying it. He let Jason Garrett go for almost a decade, just standing there, not winning that many games, clapping a lot, and being very pedestrian. He gave that guy almost 10 years. I always thought he was going to keep McCarthy. Yeah, that's what I came to as as my answer last night because I was wondering, I thought, well, where does this perception of Jerry Jones come from that he is reactionary and terse and kind of volatile with head coaches? That if you don't have a good year, he's going to blow you out. That's certainly, to your point, the way that it's perceived. But as you said with Jason Garrett, Garrett survived a stretch at one point in the middle of his coaching tenure when he went 8-8 and three years in a row. Mm -hmm. He survived in year five of his resume. Year five, think about this. So this is like Ron Rivera next year, not this past season, but if Rivera next season went 4-12, and he didn't get fired after that. He stayed on his coach. To say that Jerry Jones was patient with him is the understatement of the century. He was there for nine-plus seasons. Nobody's there for nine-plus seasons. Nobody's anywhere. It's like three coaches in the league right now that have been around longer than nine seasons. Mm -hmm. And Jason Garrett never got to an NFC championship game. It's not like they were having more success than they've had in the playoffs under McCarthy. I thought they'd make a change just because there was so much noise. Cowboys fans are so angry. The national media is all over McCarthy. But you know my take on him in general. I'm not his biggest fan. I don't think he's a savant or something like that. I have long thought, though, that he gets way more flack than a guy with his resume should. He was in Green Bay. They had a lot of success for a long time. He gets zero credit for it. It was He was a passenger, and he was lucky to have Aaron Rodgers. Okay, sure. Then he goes to Dallas, and in three straight seasons, he's an offensive-minded coach, mind you. They've had a top-four scoring offense and a top-three offense in the NFL, and they've won 12 games three times in a row. I'm sitting in a market, by the way, where this team hasn't won 11 games one time since 1991. So while I'm not sitting here pretending like Mike McCarthy is the best coach in the world, he is talked about like he is a goofball. People address this person like he is lucky to have a job, and it's insane that he would be a coach. And you look at his resume, and it's comparable to John Harbaugh and Mike Tomlin and some other one-time Super Bowl champions over the years. And I understand that he had Aaron Rodgers and that he's been a part of two really good organizations, Green Bay and Dallas. But there's probably a reason why he got to be involved in those organizations. So I think two things can be true. The first of them is if they would have fired him, it would have been somewhat understandable because they brought him in and they told him, hey, man, getting to the playoffs is not good Get enough. us over the top. We need to win a Super Bowl. But the other side of this to me is, and I've never really gotten it, but he's just not in the cool kids club. I talk about this with quarterbacks all the time. He is a guy that people perceive to be uh, 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 just a complete goof. No one knows how he puts on his pants in the morning, how he, he puts two feet in front of the other, and I've never really gotten that perception about him either. The The way I've always felt about him is nobody takes a race car and drives the speed limit like Mike McCarthy. He's not – it's not like he gets his pants caught in the door or, you know, stalls out. I think he's just so pedestrian. He has been with two incredible teams with – Unbelievable resources with very little to show for it. Now, it's hard to win, certainly, but I think a lot of guys would have done more. Super Bowl is a pretty nice thing to show for it. He, he's got his one when they were 10-6. and six. The 15-1 and one season where they got summarily dismissed and coughing up leads and botched timeouts and clock management things. and you know I forget all the specifics because it was 10, 12, 13, 15 years ago in certain cases. But he's not bad. 
you're 100% right. The, you know, the, the Twitterati or the I know everything and here's who's going to run for over 31 and a half yards this weekend crew where they do these close-up videos and it like just dominates everyone's uh, football feed. Those guys will tell you how stupid he is. Right. With like hats low and like one guy nods while the other guy talks for like four minutes and a half and like what the over under was seven years ago. That That's all very interesting, I'm sure. And they'll tell you how stupid he is. I don't think that's the case. I just think he's very pedestrian and he's you know born six feet from home plate and is like managed to touch it once. That is definitely how people feel. Green Bay was four and 12 when he took over there and they won 13 games two years later. They had not won 13 games in nine years before he was able to pull that off. They hadn't won 11 games since 2002, and then he routinely did that uh, in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. And Dallas, as we've talked about, with Jason Garrett, was not nearly on the level that they are now. But while improving those teams, you're right. He's only won the one ring. I remember when people would do that with Peyton Manning, and I, I didn't really get it. Eventually, he got a second ring, but it wasn't enough. Like, it used to be, well, he's never won a Super Bowl. You see that with people sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, has that guy won a Super Bowl? Then don't talk to me. Well, he's only won the one Super Bowl. So now you're in intru- now because you're around the Super Bowl constantly, <laughs> but you've only won the once. Now you've got to deal with that. And if you're to win a second one, I don't know. What would the story be then? I, I guess Dak Prescott carried him or something. I'm not really sure. But I always sound like I'm defending him, and maybe I am. I got a soft spot for guys that I just think get like, unfairly lampooned. Absolutely. The pie on him is, and I don't eat pie, by the way. You know this about me. You've had pie and you've liked it. I don't know why you say that all the time. I hate pie. You don't. Like you it. like pie. I don't know that I do. You like some pie. We had pie at uh, at Joe Stonecrap for our ratings dinner yeah, years ago. Yeah, you made me eat pie that time, but it wasn't really a pie. It was 100% a pie. That's not what I think of when I... That was I like, know. What you think of is wrong, is the, is the point we've all been no, trying to I make to you. What I think of is the circular crust with like a... It's the color of like, um, you know, kind of like the outside of bread or something. It, it, that oh, yeah, that's brown. the worst. Well, the bread you know crust. Yeah, I, terrible. A pie is bad. But like... I'm sure. With most coaches mm-hmm. that have had his success, it's like 60-40 positive. Mm-hmm. If you're Sean McVay, it's 90-10 positive. With him, it's like 96-4 <laughs> negative. Yes. I just don't get it. And it's over the top. I, I just, I'll never understand it. Uh, but we will talk about uh, the Cowboys. And as it pertains to Washington, Dan Quinn with Sean Shreve coming up at 3 o'clock. And speaking of the commander's coaching search, 5 o'clock today, Ben Standing of The Athletic locally to give us the latest on everything going on with Washington as they hunt for their head coach. Uh, Why don't we look at the division round? I wanted to rank the four games this weekend with you, see if we're in lockstep on this. We can go one to four of the games that will be played this weekend. So we got two on Saturday, 4.30 and 8.15 local, and then two on Sunday, 3 o'clock and 6.30. It has been the last few years, I would say, that it plays out that this ends up being the best playoff weekend. Yes. The pretenders, the frauds with their second quarterback who limped in or something like that, they're dismissed. They're gone. This now feels like these, these are the adults. I'm not convinced that's going to happen this weekend only because we got two games where there's a nine and a half point spread. Unusual, yeah. Houston, who is a four seed in a division champion, but isn't perceived to be a very good one. They played great. Stroud's been awesome. They blew out the Browns. On the other side, you got a four-seed division champion that was a fraud most of the year in 9-8 and eight Tampa, and then they destroyed the Eagles. So maybe you give them some credit and you say there's some momentum for Tampa. The problem is, I just think they played the worst team in the NFL over the last seven weeks. Like, Washington and Philly play on tomorrow night. The, the, the commanders, as they're currently constructed, Ron comes back, Del Rio comes back, 
Everyone high-fives each other, and then they get ready to play a game against these Eagles that we just saw. I think Washington's a two-point underdog. Close game. Yeah, Philly stinks. Well, to your point about this weekend, two nine-and-a-half-point spreads, and the third game is a six-and-a-half-point spread, which is also a, a regular big line. It gets lost in the sauce with these other double-digit spreads. But, yeah, it tells you the story. You may not get those super competitive games. All right, so let's rank them. This is in the order of you're asking for permission for a three-hour window to be left alone. Mm-hmm. And each time you ask, you're going to owe your wife for an extended period of time. Yep. Your first request, I think, has to be... It's Chiefs-Bills. Sunday night at 6.30. It's Chiefs-Bills. The the rematch, the, the, the Buffalo's entire persona here as a football team is they haven't been able to get past this group. All of a sudden, Cincinnati entered the chat a couple years ago and was a thorn in their side also. But these teams have been on a collision course. Buffalo took a tough route to get there. Kansas City's now going on the road for the first time in this Mahomes-Reed dynasty. But this is the classic marquee matchup. Two of the three best quarterbacks alive in Buffalo. They're desperate for it. They want to be in that conference title game so badly. For the Chiefs, it's, you know, how do you, how do you kill the champs? How do you you know put the stake in the heart? The the villain keeps sitting back up one more time. It's like Jason in, in the Friday the 13th movies where they're up to like 26 now. This is the marquee matchup. Yeah, but here's the problem. Because what you just said is true. It does feel like we're getting the boxing match that we wanted for a long time way too late. Yeah. This is Mayweather-Pacquiao in a way. And what I mean by that is not only is Kansas City no longer seemingly at the peak of their powers offensively. They may go out and get a wide receiver one this offseason and spend some money and bring in a couple weapons and be right back. But they are very susceptible. There's an underbelly here. This Chiefs team is a little bit more defense-driven. Mm-hmm. Offensively, they run the ball pretty well. They're more physical. It's the Isaiah Pacheco show at times for them. And they lean on Patrick Mahomes to make plays. They'll throw to set up the run. But it's a little bit more of a traditional, older-school kind of philosophy than what Andy Reid is used to. So that lowers their ceiling a little bit. This would be the year where I would be confident the Bills beat them. Just go out, roll the footballs out. Josh Allen put on a show, win the football game. They are so banged up. Mm-hmm. They're missing a bevy of starters defensively. It's getting worse and worse for them, by the way. Uh, you look at their practice report from uh, yesterday. Not practicing included Christian Benford, their corner. Terrell Bernard, their linebacker, who I don't think is going to play after uh, he got carted off. Gabe Davis, their wide receiver with the knee. Terrell Dodson, linebacker with the shoulder. Leonard Floyd, veteran rest. Micah Hyde with the neck. Taron Johnson, corner. Uh, I could go on and on. I won't keep reading the names, but they are the most injured team in the playoffs. They're a two and a half point favorite. I've been on Buffalo run, making a Super Bowl run since their turnaround six weeks ago, six straight wins. And now I find myself hedging. I think Kansas City probably wins the game. I also, too. I haven't heard enough people talking about this. They have two extra days of rest. You know how big of a deal it is this time of year? Yeah. That's all. I know that it was weather and there was not a lot that could be done. The Bills got screwed here, in my opinion. The Chiefs played a Saturday night game. The Bills played on Monday afternoon. What a crazy difference that is in prep time. I'm actually going to be rolling with the Chiefs, and I hate it because I've been on Buffalo. This was their year. They'll get hot. And it it happened. It all came together. But now I think the deck stacked against them. Yeah, and, you know, the fact is the Chiefs, you you could mock this or roll your eyes at this, but they've done this. Now, they haven't gone on the road and done it, 
but this is old hat to them, right? There, There is something to be said for never having gotten over the top and trying to do that for the first time versus we know exactly what it's going to sound like, feel like, taste like, and everything else. They have been there before. I bet you they go again. What's your number two game? No, a little bit sneaky here. Give me Texans-Ravens as my number two game. The MVP of this season, that's Lamar Jackson, and a potential Mark Andrews return. The best team in the NFL is the Baltimore Ravens. And this, I can't get enough C.J. Stroud. It's a drug. I want more. I, I will pay whatever I have to pay. Give it to me. Give it to me immediately. I just want to watch that kid play football. This is his toughest test. They played very early in the season. It may have been week one before we knew they were the Texans, right? Before we knew C.J. Stroud was the dude. And now here we are in the postseason with a, with a trip to the conference championship on the line. That is my number two game. My number two game is a matchup of two guys I covered here in D.C. Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur, 49ers hosting the Packers. San Francisco minus nine and a half. The total is the highest of the weekend, 50 and a half. I think there will be some points scored in this game compared to the others. Uh, I also, right now, what you said about C.J. Stroud, which I agree with, I will just say Jordan Love you know, put his name in there, and mm-hmm. I, I would say the same thing. His development this year has been awesome. It's been a huge win for LaFleur as a coach, for Gutekunst as an executive. I think San Francisco wins, may even cover, but it's going to be close. I think you know Green Bay is going to be right around 9.5 in the game. Uh, and Love's going to play pretty well, in my opinion, in, in pretty good weather in California, out in San Francisco. But I always love when Shanahan takes on one of the guys that he mentored, whether that's McVay or LaFleur. I think those are fun matchups on paper. And with the quarterback playing confident ball and Green Bay's defense way better right now than it was a month ago, they're frisky. You're a Brock Purdy falling on his face away from yep. who knows. And we saw him in their biggest game of the year. He threw four picks in the half against Baltimore. And now you're in big, big trouble. So I don't think it's going to be a, a tight game down to the wire, but I do think Green Bay can keep it around 10, maybe within seven late, something like that. Uh, but that's my number two game. I'll flip-flop with you. I'm, I'm guessing we both have Bucks lions fourth. Indeed. So real quick for Packers-Niners, I like watching San Francisco go about their business. That's just really fun. I love the way they do offense, and defensively they're so good. I hate watching the Packers. I don't like it. They deserve 75 years of quarterback abyss, and the fact that they might have found another one is infuriating. Last place game, it's Lions-Bucks. With all due respect to the Detroit energy and that how much fun it is in that building. Back home, maybe the loudest stadium in the NFL in the playoffs. I mean, they're going to the conference championship game in all likelihood. And I'm not really that intrigued by that. I mean, I'm obviously watching it, but we're talking relative to the other three. So you're not in on the Lions. Like, it's not fun for you. Uh, I think that's a blast. What a story. I mean, that fan base has no, been it's waiting. Good. They got knocked out of the playoffs by Washington when I was in diapers. They had not won a playoff yeah. game again since. And they finally got one this past weekend. They're back home again. Decently, as you said, kind of heavy favorites against Tampa Bay. They should be in the NFC Championship They're going. game. I think that's awesome. It is good. Uh, the, the Tampa Bay part of this I don't like. I don't like when fraudulent teams that don't belong end up like, you know, one tip pass interception away from going to a conference championship or, or whatever. But, yes, yeah, so that's my fourth place game. But still, obviously very intriguing. We're, we're, we're the right time of year. Speaking of the Detroit Lions, a press conference at their facility today with their offensive coordinator. Guy's name is, um, hang on, let me, I got What it. is it? Somewhere around here. Uh, I think his name's Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson. <laughs> ben Johnson alert. <laughs> ben Johnson alert. Ben Johnson alert. He was asked what he knows about GM Adam Peters. We will play that clip for you next on Grant and Danny here on The Fan. Welcome back to Grant and Danny on The Fan. Tonight, 
Nice little DC double dip of action. The Wizards are at the Knicks. 7.30 tip-off. They look for win number eight on the year. 7-32 and 32 Washington. They're coming off one they're going to want back. Or maybe they're not going to want back. The way things trend toward the draft. They lost to the Pistons, believe it or not. 129 to 117, which got Detroit's record to 4 and 36. Somebody has to win. They literally don't allow ties in the sport, so someone was going to win that game, and someone did. Jaden Ivey, 24 points. Jalen Duran, uh, 20 points in that game. So Detroit looked good. That looks like a team that's on the rise. <laughs> you might see them get double digit wins this year, just this year. Yeah. Go Wizards. Uh, the Capitals are at home tonight, 7 o'clock. Puck drop for them. They host the Blues. They've been playing at home a lot. And really, until their last game, they weren't taking advantage of it, which is not ideal. Right there on the bubble in the playoffs, looking for a second consecutive regulation win at Capital One Arena. It's part of a home-and-home home with the Blues that goes into the weekend. We had Charlie Lindgren on the show yesterday. Yep, he was great. He was tremendous. He's taken on his former mates. He made a pit stop in St. Louis before ending up in Washington, and presumably he will be in the net tonight. Sounds like Ovi on his way back, right, which is good news. Carbs told the Junks yesterday that Ovi would either play in this game or on Saturday, and then just watching the video of practice yesterday, he looked like Ovi to me. I would bet he plays, but from what I saw, Carberry was non-committal. I haven't seen anybody who's reporting anything, but it sounds like it's trending in that way. I am hopeful. I want Ovi to score more goals. That's kind of what everybody's in line for. Uh, quick Detroit bit, by the way. The Lions won 12 games this year. Through 41 games, the Detroit Pistons have four wins. So if you double that pace, that's eight wins. Would you bet that they beat the Lions win total this year? You had to put, you had to go to the window right now. How, how many games have they played? 41. So they're exactly halfway through the Exactly year. halfway. They have to win nine more games. There's no chance. I think it'll be tight. Eight to tie. Nine I'm gonna to win. S- I, I would go under 12 and a half. I'm going to say... They win 12. I think they equal the Lions. So they're going to go symmetry. Yeah, 8 and 33 left to go. Yeah, which is a heater. For that group? Yes. I mean, that would double their projection. They, they're just get catch fire. You kidding me? I think anytime your football team wins more games than your basketball team, something historical is happening. Speaking of the Lions, their offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, met with the media. Ben Johnson alert. Ben Johnson alert. He is. For a lot of people, the number one candidate for the commander's head coaching job. He is interviewing with the team tomorrow, and he was asked about Adam Peters, the new GM in D.C., if he knows him or has any thoughts on him. I, I know him just just very briefly. Uh, I've heard nothing but fantastic things about people that have worked with him directly or have, have met him uh, over the course of scouting on the road. So um, look forward to, to meeting him and, and talking more. I look forward to you meeting him and talking more. I want everyone to talk so much more. What are you guys going to talk about? I don't know what he's supposed to say there. Yeah. That's probably the only thing he could have said. Is right. like, I've heard good things. He seems like quite a guy. It's still got my juices flowing a little bit. Yeah. Still gave me butterflies to hear it. Yeah, I don't know. There's no great way to answer that because then the natural implication is you guys have already been talking a bunch. <laughs> gotcha. Or it's a... No, I don't know him. So you don't like him? Like, there's He's no. Like, Actually, I know Adam very well. We're texting every night. And, yeah. uh, last evening, we were on Skype together for three hours. Adam just texted. Nice hat. LOL. That's Adam. Actually, Adam, <laughs> he just texted me. He goes, Hey, press conference set for February 6th. Oh, I wasn't supposed to read that. Oh, out whoops. Loud. That was an audible one. Yeah. Please review quarterback tape. Uh, the Post is doing a smart move here, I think. They've, they're one of those companies with what we call. Um, 
Resources. Oh, interesting. They've got one of their sports reporters who covers the Commanders, Nikki Javala, who's basically right now like on the Lions beat. Now, they're one of the playoff teams left, but I'm assuming there's maybe some more to it. Uh-huh. So she was at Ben Johnson's press conference today, which is, again, a good use of one of the members of your department. Yeah. He's the front runner for the head coaching job. And uh, she had some of these quotes here. How do you prioritize which interviews you're going to take? Johnson said, I've left that to other people. I know it's still a very fluid situation, and truth be told, we'll find out more once the game plan is done. That's been told to everybody I've been around. Nothing is more important than the game plan. Number one, that's got to be true mm-hmm. because you you put in everything all year. You owe it to your team. You owe it to your players. You owe it to yourself. He's trying to win a ring. He wants to win a Super Bowl. Nobody's more desperate to get across the finish line in first place on Sunday for Detroit than the Lions and, and their coaching staff that's been working 90-plus hours a week or whatever it is. You know, the last several weeks. So I'm quite sure that's true. You also want it known as a hot commodity. My eyes are not elsewhere. I'm my I am have you guys heard this one before? I am where my feet are. Oh, let me write that down. Be you should where use that. your feet yeah. are. Good. And, yep. and the thing about it is, have you heard that one? More so no. than anything else. So I, I think he probably he said what he needed to say in yeah, terms yeah. of I'm not focusing, but I think it's also very true. But I'm interested in what interviews are you taking? Because he's he's not interviewing with every single team. Mm-hmm. Presumably some asked him to interview, and he's not taking them. But he said, I'm leaving that to other people. I think that's as simple as you tell your agent, and your agent has a lot of say in that too, You know which jobs are good and which aren't. Hey, we don't want to go there because that owner stinks. We don't want to go there because that's a toxic situation or whatever. That's yeah, what you pay the guy for. So while you're doing really, really hard work, by the way, that only 32 guys on the planet are doing. And, and not less all of this them week, well, by the way. Yeah, and less this week, because there's only eight teams left dancing, you're going to try to go to the NFC title game. That's going to consume some of your time and resources. You may not have all the energy and wherewithal to do every single prep thing. Now, once you get a few interviews lined up, then you should be doing some prep work, right? As, as Adam Peters did, as Josh Harris pointed out at the press conference, where you're able to give a little bit of a scouting report about the, the roster you're taking over or potentially or what you would do or how you would work with this or what system you think would, would have fit bet last year, whatever. You do some of that prep stuff, but you can't do all the introductory get-to-know-you type things at a, at a macro level. You let your agent go, hey, here are the three gigs we should be opting for uh, or, or vying for. Because they're the, A, the best fit, B, the best situation, and C, David Tepper isn't there. He was asked, when do you finish your game plan? Because he's saying, basically, I can't turn my attention to the interview stuff and, until the game plan's done. His answer was, so I'm slow. He laughed about it. He said, I think the staff will get a chuckle out of that one. The game plan is never really done until probably Saturday night. So we'll get probably 90%, 95% of it in by tomorrow afternoon and then early Saturday and then Saturday afternoon. I'm usually still working on that thing. Sounds like he's one of these guys that's always tweaking, 11th hour, adjusting, yeah. which is funny. Uh, the final question related to the commanders was that question about Adam Peters and his relationship with him. So those were some of the things that our listening audience might care about that Ben Johnson was asked about today. Uh, the commanders are interviewing two candidates today. Tomorrow is Ben Johnson Day. He will be interviewed via uh, Zoom. It used to be Skype, but I don't. that's a very dated reference now. Mm-hmm. Uh, at some point, it was like video conference. Then it was Skype. Now it's just Zoom. You just Zoom. I wonder if he's he's young enough. Hopefully not. Is he one of the guys that can't figure out how to unmute himself? And like Adam Peters is going to ask him, you know, who would be your defensive coordinator? And he's just stuck on mute, so they'll never get that answer. Uh, that, if you could just tweak your microphone because there's feedback, you're picking up your own audio. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> who just joined? <laughs> Some who, who would be late to the Zoom call? Do you think? Like Marty, 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 and Marty. Yeah. Like. Uh, 
I Marty mean, Hardy would like lean over and just go, I'll, I'm going to join someone else's screen. The Martys are not invited to the Zoom no. call. Marty like think. leans in and yells too loud because he's not sure what the speaker is. <laughs> right. he's like, How does this thing work? Good to see you, buddy. Uh, but hopefully everything goes swimmingly on the Zoom call Yeah, uh, tomorrow. But the two no interviews hitches. today are Dan Quinn, defensive coordinator, Dallas Cowboys, and Raheem Morris, defensive coordinator, LA Rams, just eliminated by Ben Johnson and the Lions in that head-to-head matchup of coordinators. Uh, both had very, very successful seasons. In Quinn's case, a nightmare finish to his season. Yep. What a disaster of a game that was for the Cowboys against the Packers. But both of these guys, these are the rare guys they're interviewing who have been head coaches before. The other guys, Anthony Weaver, Mike McDonald, Bobby Slowick, Ben Johnson, Aaron Glenn, have not been. So there's two candidates with head coaching experience, retreads, and they're both interviewing today, Quinn and Morris. Raheem Morris did an outstanding job this year, in my humble opinion. I know he's got Aaron Donald, but one player doesn't a defense make. This was a makeshift. You haven't heard of 90% of these guys on that side of the football. And they weren't great. They weren't, you know, the, the Ravens or the Niners or you know, even Dallas at, at various points. But they were fine for a group that probably shouldn't have been fine. That's one of those great hallmarks to me of a coach who made some chicken salad out of you-know-what. I think Morris is a really good coach. I do, too. I know he is a beloved guy. People think the world of him. McVay texted me within the last week and a half, knowing he might come, you know, his interviewing with Washington, to just rave about how ready he is, how great he would be. Like, he has advocates all over the league. Anyone who's ever been around him thinks he deserves another shot, and he does. If you look at when he was a head coach, people forget this. He was. The, I can't remember. I can't believe how young he was. He was McVay-ish, basically. Yeah. It was 2009. It was 15 years ago. He's 47 years old right now. He got the head coach at 32. He's going to be judged on that forever. And it's not like they didn't have a good year. They, they won double-digit games. They had a 10-6 and six season in, in 2010. Yeah, it wasn't all bad. But since then, he has coached DBs in Washington. He has been an assistant head coach and a pass game coordinator. He's coached wide receivers. And now he's been a coordinator in two different stops in Atlanta. Uh, and I think that was through Kyle probably mm-hmm. um, helping get him that a gig at his former stop. And then uh, defensive coordinator with the Rams with McVay. So we'll see. If they want to go leader of men style, I think Raheem Morris is as good an option as there is. This guy will run a building. Players will respond to him. Will hire great coordinators. Mm -hmm. I think he's super plugged in on some of the better staffs in America. For those reasons, he would make a lot of sense. If you told me right now they got to hire Quinn or Morris of the two guys they're interviewing today that are in a similar bucket, Give me Raheem Morris over Dan Quinn. Morris for me over over Quinn as well. And again, I think Dan Quinn's really good at this. I think he's a really good defensive coach. It's probably not fair. My gut reaction on some of these things, if a guy's been a head coach before and it wasn't unbelievable, it also, like, it's a sweet spot for me. It can't have been too good because if it was too good, then you don't have the same fire, right? If you won Super Bowls, if you're in uh, conference title games a bunch of times, then I'm not that interested. If you were not that great, I'm not that interested either. It's not fair. I mean, I, you know what I mean? Like, I know that I'm holding Raheem Morris's experience from 15 years ago against him, which is stupid. I'm just talking about my gut reaction, right? Same with Dan Quinn, where I'm going, eh, okay, whatever as a head coach. Great defensive mind. I would love to have that dude as my DC. Like, that would be fantastic if that could happen. We'll take a deeper dive into some of the playoff matchups next hour as we look ahead to the weekend. But next, let's assign letter grades. Like how we would grade A through F each individual hiring 
if there is a press conference to name the six different candidates that they are interviewing as the new head coach of the Commanders. Uh, you guys can give us some thoughts on that as well. Who would you give an A grade to as a hire? Who would you give an F grade to among the names they're talking to? 800-636-1067 on Grant and Danny here on The Fan. If you want Wizards tickets, you want to see Joker coming to Capital One Arena, you better be listening at 3 right here on The Fan. We are blitzing at 4 o'clock today, and Ben Standing updates us on the coaching search at 5. Speaking of said search, six different coaching candidates being interviewed by the commanders. Want to run through them right now? We will assign letter grades. Danny, you're grading the higher, your level of excitement mm-hmm. as they're sitting down at the podium. Josh Harris says uh, Adam Peters is going to run the show. Peters introduces the coach that he's picked. We'll start with Anthony Weaver, defensive line coach, assistant head coach, Baltimore Ravens, who they interviewed last week. B+. plus. I'd be excited. I go, that that seems like a winner, a leader, a star, someone that everybody raves about. I'm going to say D for me. Uh, It's not that I don't like Anthony Weaver. I barely know Anthony Weaver, to be completely frank. Uh, the little bit I've watched press conferences, things when I saw his name come up, uh, it seems like you know, a guy that I could absolutely get behind and, and people would want to run through a wall for. It's just hard to excite me about a D-line. Does coach. he coach offense? It's not the, just Grant's that. out. But it, he's not a name. He's not a star. He, he's. I'm just hearing from other people that this guy's going to be really good. Like, it's just hard to talk me into that. Uh, an example would be that Mike McDonald is the star of the show in Baltimore right now. Was 36 years old and the defensive coordinator with more responsibility, presumably, in Baltimore than Anthony Weaver. That hire for me would be a B plus. They interviewed him last week as well. B plus for me on Mike McDonald. A minus. I think that guy's got star written all over him. How about Dan Quinn, who they're interviewing today, the coordinator for the Cowboys? That's a D minus. And I, I it's unfair. My I got a level of bias here, but I just, that name doesn't excite me, despite the fact that I know, I know he's a good defensive coach. So, again, these grades are representing my level of excitement. Mm-hmm. I gave Anthony Weaver a D. I gave Mike McDonald a B plus. Dan Quinn gets an F. Okay. I'm sorry. I do not think Dan Quinn's a bad coach. In fact, I think the opposite. I think Dan Quinn is a good coach. Let me just get a little water here. You were losing me for a second. Yeah, sorry, buddy. I was like, do I stop? He's, you know he's in the middle of a thought. It was I didn't know Quinn. what to do. Dan yeah, Quinn Dan Quinn. Was, Dan was, Quinn, I'm getting a little upset. Dan Quinn was upset. Mm-hmm. He really he punched me in the larynx. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, no, he's a good football coach. Yep. I just did an old retread defensive coordinator thing. You got a chance. You got me right where you want me. Hey, listen, Harris, ownership group, the Hogs, Adam Peters, you got me. You're the bear with the claws, man. You're trying, how do I kill this bunny? Kill the bunny. So far, you've done everything over the last month that I have been pleading with this team to do, not an exaggeration, for 25 years. You've done everything right. I can't say goodbye to Ron Rivera and then hire another Ron Rivera-ish type guy. Just not doing that. Uh, How about Bobby Slowick, offensive coordinator, Houston Texans? C for me. And I know what's happened with Houston. I know how good he's been. I know how good that offense has been. I'm watching C.J. Stroud, this renaissance before our eyes. It's just too neophyte for me. It's too one-year wonder for me. B plus, I'll put him on the same level as McDonald. He might win the tiebreaker because he's offensive-minded. But like you, I, I got questions about the longevity of how long he's been a star. I mean, he just kind of arrived on the scene, and he's on a rocket ship. 
Uh, ben Johnson is an A. Ben Johnson alert. The alert goes off. I mean, every ben time. Johnson alert. Ben Johnson alert. The alert knew. What if you were like a C minus? <laughs> Just ben to throw Johnson, everybody for a curveball. <laughs> ben Johnson, A plus for me. I really want that to happen. That's an A. I don't give A pluses, so that is an A. Aaron Glenn, defensive coordinator on Ben Johnson's Detroit Lions. <sighs> Seems like a really good dude. Probably a D plus for me. Like I'd be slightly more excited than Dan Quinn just because he's young and and relates to players really, really well. But eh. I'm going to go with a C minus for him as well. I'll, I'll put him in Raheem Morris. No, you know what? I'm going to go D plus for Aaron Glenn, slightly above Weaver. And I'm going to go C minus for Morris ahead of all the defensive guys. C plus for Morris for me. I mean, again, the, the, the long ago track record. I'm probably unfairly holding against him, but you know the, how popular he is in league circles will probably help fill out a staff. You know that guy's ready, but everybody can't wait to recommend Raheem Morris. So for me, then, if we're saying you know C and above is you can talk yourself into being excited, mm-hmm. my list would be McDonald, Slowick, Johnson, Raheem, four deep, and, and the other three have kind of been eliminated, or the other couple. So I got McDonald, Morris, Weaver, Ben Johnson, and I guess Slowick would so be in that what's group. what's your... What's your Weaver intrigue? I mean, like, I'm just being honest. I didn't know about that guy six weeks ago. I didn't either. And I'm finding out. Associate head coach in Baltimore at the right hip of John Harbaugh. Just that winning program all the time, just cascading in success. And it's one of those culture over maybe an individual. Seems to be a star. To me, all of those things are why I'm in on McDonald. Mm -hmm. I just wonder what his roles are. Like, the assistant head coach title sometimes is to keep a guy in the building or Totally. Because, like, Eric Bieniemy was the assistant head coach. If, if I'm hiring off that staff, you might go, oh, he had head coaching responsibilities, and he actually did have a lot of say in practice and different things. Maybe Weaver was along those same lines in Baltimore. All right, we'll talk to Sean Sharif next. Does radio in Dallas on our Odyssey station out there. Want to ask about McCarthy coming back and Dan Quinn as a candidate, plus Dak looking for maybe $50 million a year. We're granting Danny. Welcome back. We're Grant and Danny. This is The Fan. You can kick off your future with the law firm of Condorian Murad. They'll help protect your assets, update your will and your trust, schedule a free estate planning strategy with one of their Fairfax-based attorneys. Visit kmlawyers.com. Mention the show to score yourself a discount. kmlawyers.com. Get old quick, man. You have a couple of kids. Next thing you know, you got to take care of some paperwork. You got to do it, man. We uh, We had a baby. Got life insurance and bought a house within three weeks. We did that a handful of years ago, man. You got to do it. As promised, caller 10 right now at 800-636-1067. Congrats. You are winning two tickets to see the Wiz take on the Nuggets. Joker's coming to town. Sunday, January 21st, this weekend, Capital One Arena. It is actually Kids Day at the arena. Presented by Ticketmaster. First 5,000 fans are going to take home a G-Wiz squishy. For tickets and more event information, got to go to thefandc.com slash contests uh, right now live all over dc and in richmond on the fan and wherever you are on the odyssey app let's go to the betql guest hotline and welcome on to the show our buddy sean sharif who hosts mornings on our odyssey sister station in dallas there's a lot of things cowboys wise we want to talk about including some that are tangentially related to the commanders sean what's up man it's been a while how are you uh, i have a headache uh, I forgot my cell phone this morning leaving the house. This uh, 
this Mike McCarthy news has hit me hard. I'm disoriented. I'm dizzy, and uh, I, I need a nap. I need a nap bad. It's been a it's been a it's been a rough week and a and a pretty rough day. So before we get to McCarthy, who I do want to hit on, and Dax demands this offseason as well. The Commanders are interviewing Dan Quinn this weekend. A lot of people saw the performance on Sunday and wanted to cross him off the list. That's not really how it works. But he has done a really good job with that defense for most of the last few years. He was a head coach of a team that got to a Super Bowl, almost won a Super Bowl. What kind of head coaching candidate do you think Dan Quinn is? That's a great question. Um, I I think, you know, I heard Gerard Mayo yesterday in New England say, you first have to connect with these guys before you teach them X's and O's. And if that's the case, if you believe that, no one, no one is going to connect more with Dan Quinn. Amazing guy, seems like a fantastic person, uh, no matter what you think of his, you know, wearing his hat backwards as an older dude, whatever. Uh, That was a criticism of Romo, uh, as we know in the media. But Micah Parsons joked the other week, and it it ticked off a lot of Cowboy fans. Maybe I'll just go with Dan Quinn. Maybe he should just take me with him. Uh, that's like his that's like his uncle. Everyone loves the guy. I did do a nice job. You know, I think he did a nice job right there of taking the macro view of turning around this defense. There were periods under his watch in which we were having a discussion over this was going to be a great defense. Could this be an elite defense? Could this get into a Legion of Boom or Baltimore Ravens or San Francisco conversation? Uh, unfortunately, here in the Metroplex, we saw that. Uh, I, the only question I have about Dan Quinn, and it's the question I have about, my, about Mike McCarthy right now, like, can he, can he crack down? Uh, is, he, is he too nice? Um, you know, this defense got, got, got beaten up physically, you know, and we've been calling them out for three years. The run defense has been an issue here, but overall fantastic dude. Uh, no way that a coach could connect more with people personally. And, and he did do a nice job as defense. Look, the past two years, I remember exactly where I was in the car when I heard that Jerry was able to talk him into staying. Now you've got to make the decision yourself into whether, this Cowboys defense this year and the Green Bay game crosses them off your list. If he leaves and gets a head coaching gig, Sean, which seems likely the cycle, right? There aren't that many great, exciting offensive minds, and it just feels like he might just end up in Seattle to me, but but whatever, we'll get there when we get there. How big a step back do you think Dallas's defense will take without him? Well, I mean, now it's a tremendous concern and worry because is Wink Martindale going to come here and work for a lame duck coach? You got a lame duck situation, right? That we know is twofold. Number one, you got to make sure these players don't bail at the first sign of it. We're talking here in Dallas, guys, like we're five and twelve. We like uh, uh, your fans listening right now. You know, the fans of the Chicago Bears would call us spoiled brats, like first football problems, not first world problems. That we're we're, we're complaining about all this stuff and running people out of town with an NFC East championship at twelve and five, but. Uh, what happens if this team has a Philadelphia Eagle-type slippage? Are these players going to bail knowing Mike McCarthy could get run, probably would get run? And how are you going to get a legit defensive coordinator to sign up here for three years? We had a Ron Rivera discussion today. We're like, okay, is Ron Rivera, who still wants to be a D.C., is he is he desperate enough? Would he take this job? How about Mike Zimmer? You know, we were talking about Wink Martindale. I, I, I don't want to be a credible name who signs up for this situation over here. Is your belief that they should have fired McCarthy then based on, 
Like the elements of this that come along with a lame duck one year left on a deal, or do you feel like he's not good enough and didn't do a good job? No, my, my, my thought that they should get rid of McCarthy didn't have anything to do. You know, I wasn't even down the road of the lame duck stuff. I just said, all right, what are the Cowboys' problems? The Dallas Cowboys' problems, in my opinion, are they're not tough enough. They're a really stupid, stupid football team in terms of discipline on the field. I mean, third down penalties, just killer special teams, uh, Sam Williams, Tank Lawrence, Micah Parsons. I mean, situationally, they're a really dumb football team, and they have been under McCarthy's entire tenure here. Just go look at their number of penalty numbers. Situationally, and this is a thing that, you know, is a league-wide problem. It really is. But, you know, Mike McCarthy has had problems with clock management. A lot of coaches do. We magnify it here because we cover this team and live with them day in and day out. And, you know, I, I don't feel like this team is, is, is tough. Uh, San Francisco beat their ass. Uh, the Green Bay Packers pushed them around. The yards of separation for the receivers for the Packers were five yards. Five yards. That's the secondary. You all saw what Aaron Jones did. It looked like he had the 90s Cowboys offensive line. They can get pushed around. They, this football team was a bunch of finesse front runners, and I, I attribute all of that to the head coach who wanted to get tougher and kick Kellen Moore out of town because he said they wanted to run the football. That's why I wanted a hard ass. Uh, no more country club around here. No more Jerry merchandise and all the promotion that I wanted Belichick, Mike Vrabel, or Harbaugh. Our guy Sean Sharif with us here on GD 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. I've always felt, Sean, from outside looking in, that Jerry wants to prove he's smarter than everybody. That's why he stayed with Jason Garrett for nine plus years, ten years, whatever it was, watching that guy just sort of clap and be a, a you know live human doll on the sideline, just yeah. so Jerry could say, "Watch when it works." I know better than everybody. How much of that is involved? Do you think? Well, I wouldn't attribute it to intelligence. I would attribute it to ego and insecurity you know i've always said about jerry jones uh, and 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 don't get me wrong we interview him you know once a week for 13 years i don't know jerry jones i'm not gonna pretend like i'm you know boys with jerry i would like to be instead of some johnny walker blue but i'm not but he seems like the most insecure billionaire that you could ever imagine um there's a thought here like jason garrett that wasn't to be smarter than everyone that was to be like this is my guy maybe you think that's being smart uh and 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 i believe that Jerry Jones would rather finish in second, in third, in fourth place with his guy than give the credit to Bill Belichick. You know, that's the reason that Jimmy got fired. But Jerry knows if he hired Belichick and Bill came in here and won it, what would we all say? Oh, Belichick, he finally did it for Jerry. Uh, Belichick put the Cowboys on top. Belichick got his title without, without Tom Brady. And to me, that is a disservice as an owner to your city. That's a disservice and an insecure way to act as the person that's going to, supposed to be the shepherd for the football team and, 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 and the community. And it's sad. It's, it's, it's really disheartening. Uh, I'm not going to talk too much about a disheartening owner situation considering what you guys just got out of. But I think it's an ego thing and it's an insecurity thing, and it's uh, it's unfortunate. Sean Sharif, our sister station in Dallas, lot to cover on the Cowboys front. Some of it relating. By the way, by the way, guys, don't. Here's the thing that hit me hardest over the last 24 hours: the possibility, and I never thought of this in my entire life covering this team, the possibility that Jerry Jones is actually cheap. We went back <laughs> and looked. It was, now we during, there's been a lot of Sean Payton hype. 
you know. And when we were doing all our Sean Payton homework, he was always Jerry's white whale, we thought. We found, you know, Jerry has never been at the top of the league in terms of paying coaches' salary. I don't think he's ever gone over five mil a year. I, I, I'm pretty sure he's never gone over six million a year. So we were like, he's not going to hire Sean Payton. Like history shows that's not going to happen. And there's a concern here now that, and, 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 and in free agency, this team, there's a misnomer because of these national morons that report on all the old Cowboy stereotypes. This is a quietly conservative team. The last major free agent they signed was Brandon Carr. That's a long time ago. Everyone still thinks of Charles Haley. Everyone still thinks of Dion. And and Jerry loves coming on the radio and talking about, I'm such a maverick. And, you know, I built off of oil. And you talk about living on the edge. His son, Stephen, is, uh, you know, fiscally conservative. And and Jerry abides by that. Their major moves were for fifth-round picks. They traded for Stephon Gilmore. They traded for Brandon Cook. So there's a worry that, number one, he wouldn't even have paid for Belichick at over $20 million a year, 15 whatever it is. And number two, he wasn't going to pay Mike McCarthy for a year of not working. And that that really hit hard because he didn't cut corners with the stadium. He didn't cut corners with the team's facility, Ford Center in Frisco. But the, some, of the, some of these moves are, are, are showing that he might be a little frugal. That's possible. I haven't really thought about it. I mean, it's been a long time since they had a lot of money to spend. I'd be curious to see what kind of free agency they might have if they had $75 million going into free agency. It, it almost never and, happens. And, and for to them. their credit, right? Like, that, that's kind of the way every team wants to do it. Like, they, they believe in drafting their own and paying their own, and, they've, and, and, and that's succeeded. You pay Zach Martin. You pay Dak Prescott. They're going to pay C.D. Lamb. They're going to pay Micah Parsons. They paid Trayvon Diggs. That is the way you want to do it, but this team has not made any attempt for, for an over-the-top finishing piece. We, we knew that they were going to hurt at linebacker. They lost their draft pick overshone. Uh, in the preseason, we we knew that the running game was an issue early on when Tony Pollard was not able to to look himself physically coming off the offseason surgery and injury against San Francisco. And they just they're known around here for not making any moves. They investigated Darius Leonard for a little bit, and that was basically it. How about Dak, who you referenced is one of the guys that they've paid? They're about to have to pay him again. What yeah. might he be making, and, and is that happening this offseason for sure? Well, they have to redo his deal. He, he, he carries a $60 million number. He has them by the balls. Um, he's got a no trade as well. His agent knew that he had the leverage, and they punished the Cowboys for waiting. Uh, I was in agreement for the Cowboys for waiting because Dak, to me, is one of those really difficult players to evaluate. And just for the record, just let me tell you where all of Dallas stands. And I'm, I'm curious to get y'all's take if it's crazy or, you know, y'all's fan base's take. Everyone wanted McCarthy gone. Dan Quinn is now hated. Like, there was a thought that if McCarthy gets fired, you immediately promote Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn was the prince of the city. When we relayed Ed Warder's report today that Dan Quinn will come back here if he doesn't get a head coaching job, people were furious. And then people almost ran me out of town yesterday when I said Dak should get his raise and he should get extended. I mean, these are all the different talking points uh, that have Cowboy fans losing it right now. I mean, we're talking – some people are throwing out $60 million a year. Uh, they, have to, they have to rework the deal, though, because he's got a $60 million cap hold on him. He's got a $60 million number. They have to redo it. Sean, to me, it's uh, – I'll just give you my view first. I think it's, it's that – I don't want to say complacency is the word, but it's, uh, it's not understanding what the abyss looks like. 
Because, quite frankly, Dallas, and, and you know better than anybody, I would say it lucked their way into a couple guys that weren't the original plan, long-term answers to quarterback. With Romo yeah. coming out of nowhere after a couple injuries, then Dak takes over a similar way. The abyss is dark, man. The abyss is a terrible, terrible place to go. You've got yeah. some certainty. You've got a guy that when things are right can go 36 touchdowns and barely crack double-digit picks. Do not scoff at that. At whatever it costs, you got to have to do it. And, and and I agree with that. And and you know, but you always have you know Al Bundy fan who goes, it's just about titles. Can he get it done in the postseason? Of course. So I'm supposed to, and I grew up a Washington fan, so I know everything you're talking about. All right, I I'm not gonna. Dak Prescott is gonna finish, and, and I haven't always been the biggest Dak fan. He's gonna finish two or three in MVP. Yep. He 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 just is. He might finish second. I'm not willing to throw that away. Now, look, the Cowboys can't beat the upper echelon teams. They lost to Miami. They lost. They got worked by Buffalo. They got humiliated by San Francisco. Um, and I'm forgetting the the fourth team. But can every quarter – can every other – how many other quarterbacks in the league can have the regular season that Dak Prescott just did? Now, was it a career year? Yes. Is it sustainable? I don't know. But I feel like he can put up some top five numbers now. Um, as long as C.D. Lamb is healthy, it comes down to, am I going to throw all of that away because he might come up short in the playoffs? Am I going to throw all that away because of this, this, this Green Bay game? Now, he is 2-5 and five overall in the postseason. That is not good. Uh, but I feel like it has clicked for Dak here in the last, like, year, two, three. What, let me ask you this. What would you all be willing to give up if they put him on the block? Like, what, what type of drafts? compensation would you be would you be running to do it no that's more only interesting because yeah. you got to pay him 50 million dollars a year and to me the, the greatest asset in football right now is trying to find a quarterback you don't have to pay now you're chasing a ghost but you're picking yeah. two right now like if washington was picking 21 i would feel very like different. if i was atlanta it's a different different ask yeah, right exactly if, if i'm not in position to get a quarterback which i think you got to be in the top three probably to get one of the guys in this draft then it's a different conversation. But sitting two, and I have the the rookie draft for you know a capital for five years of, of not having to pay a guy. That's appealing to me more so than the fifty million plus a bunch of picks. Yeah, I mean, but you could get Zach Wilson. You could. You could get Rosen. <laughs> yeah. I, look, get if you're trading me Mahomes, it's a different story. Yeah, but Dak's really good. Uh, you know, I don't know how how where does he rank People. in the in the NFL right now? I would say he's. Like back end top ten, I think he's Ooh. something like Ooh. that. Well, I think that's where every you know you know we all cover these GM polls in the off season, right? We all do the ESPN Jeremy Fowler or Athletic the quarterback polls in the list, and everyone had him at nine or ten, and I did as well. I don't know how right now, I don't know how right now you can't have him over Lawrence. You, I think you have to put him over Herbert. I've been a Herbert supporter, but like when did Justin Herbert? end up catching heat. Well, well so, but here's the question, though, right? I, I think if we're basing it on the season they just had, no doubt, I've got him number two. But if we're saying right. start of next year, who would you rather have? Like, I would rather have Lamar. I'd rather have Josh Allen. I'd rather have yeah. Mahomes. Burrow. I'd rather have... Um, Burrow. Burrow, for sure. I would say, would you rather have Stafford or, or Prescott? I'd rather have Stafford, probably. Okay, but that but but now we're getting to an even discussion. Yeah. Right? Now we're not so Dak, you just named four guys. Yeah. And we used to name Hurts for sure after right and 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 to your point. I 
Jalen Hurts' year last season was more out of the blue than what Dak just did. The Dallas Cowboys, people, people were ticked off that Kellen Moore got run out of town as well because the Dallas Cowboys had the number one offense two years ago. Yep. So, like, if you look at the numbers, Dak just – this was a watered-down year for MVP, right? We can all agree on that. But So, the reason that Dak is two or three in the final results is because it's a watered-down year. He put up these numbers with Kellen Moore. But I think because you have Herbert, you have Lawrence, you have Deshaun Watson falling out of that discussion. You have Jalen Hurts now falling out of that discussion. Dak Prescott has moved up, right? He was there with Cousins. I think a lot of people would take him over Cousins right now. It, it was that it was that Carr, Cousins, Stafford argument and level. But yeah. that gets you up to about five. But that's a so good yeah, tier. So yeah. If I throw Herbert in front of him, you're right. There's five definitely. I would take Cousins over him. But yeah, the point is him, Kirk. Uh, like I'm taking him over to, I'm taking him over. Like, are, are you ready to already put Stroud or somebody like that? You're right. You could start having that conversation around six. And, and, and look, I, I pray to the sports gods. Eli Manning never gets in. He doesn't deserve it. He will, but he will. He, will. he, will. he won't teach Super Bowls, Sean. He uh, won't teach Super Bowls. Oh, you guys do a better New York accent than that. You guys sound more meatbelly than that. Like that wasn't my right New York there. accent. It's just our generic meathead that yells about offensive that lines. And... Guy who cares about uh, quarterback wins and losses. That's right. But but the point is, Eli Manning was perfect for New York. He just he just was right. The guy I've never seen him snap. I never saw him get ticked off. And and Dak Prescott is, is, is pretty great for this situation here with all the heat and all the crap that we give him and that and that he has to deal with. And I and I and I do think he can be he can be a, a game changer. You know, I thought, you know, early on he was a bus driver and he's always had really good talent around him. Um and I don't know if he can turn he was don't get me wrong. He was he choked. He got tight. He he pressed. He was abysmal, hideous against Green Bay. But man, I'm not going I'm not willing to go down Danny's uh quarterback purgatory. Because they did that after uh, they, they they did that uh, in between Aikman and Romo around here. Sean, my last one for you before we let you jump. It's hard to do, obviously, because this league changes so much and the whole thing rewards parity. But looking at the salary cap and what they might have to do, give me a prognosis, kind of an outlook the next three years for the Cowboys. Well, they're never going to take a step back. The, the Dallas Cowboys are going to win ten or eleven games next year. Like, th- th- see, this is the thing that Jerry did today. He destroyed any off-season hope, optimism, new reason for excitement. He destroyed it. Because now this regular season that we're about to go through means nothing. It means jack squat. They're going to win 10 or 11 games over the next one, two, three seasons. Um, And, you know, they're probably – next year they're going to come up short because I don't know how Mike McCarthy is all of a sudden going to change the culture around here um, that, you know, isn't tough enough. But Jerry Jones is never, ever, ever going to take us, you know, a, a step backwards to go two steps forward. He's never going to tear it down. You know, there's Micah Parsons trade discussions happening right now on, on our station. Like, just what if? Like, what if versus paying him $35 million? He doesn't want to stick around and talk to the media. If, if, they, if they beat someone by 20 and he doesn't have a stat or a pressure in the, in, in the stat sheet, he runs out. You know, he is not a face leader of your team in terms of accountability and people are having those discussions but jerry jerry always says i ain't got time to have a bad time and he is referring to his that's not a new york accent by the way Grant. <laughs> he is not gonna do anything at the age of 82 the argument could be made 
that keeping the continuity of McCarthy and maybe Dan Quinn together is better for Jerry's timeline than starting over with Belichick and a new scouting department and a new program and a new culture. The Dallas Cowboys are going to win about 10 games a year and probably come short. That's your next three years. Sean, great having you on. Good catching up. Good to catch up, buddy. Be good, and we'll talk soon. Thank you, boys. Have a good one. Sean Sharif, radio in Dallas, morning show on our sister station out there. Commanders interviewing Dan Quinn and Raheem Morris for their head coaching job today. How about Eric Bieniemy? What's next for him? A possible landing spot is officially open for business. Let's talk about that next on The Fan. Three forty-five. our double play. What's going on in our lives? Nothing to do with sports. And at four, we are blitzing on Grant and Danny. Ben Standing joins us at five. We'll get the latest on everything going on with the commanders. They have hired their GM, Adam Peters, and his number one mission right now is to find their head coach. Interviews today with Raheem Morris and Dan Quinn, as we've talked about. What about Eric Bieniemy? What's next for him? So Mike Tomlin met with the media today in Pittsburgh. I said about a month ago, I thought the Steelers would make a lot of sense for Bienemy. It's a good fit. Tomlin, among other things today, said that he believes the offensive coordinator is going to come from outside the organization. He also said that there will be a competition for the quarterback spot with Kenny Pickett. I think they want to bring Mason Rudolph back, who's a free agent. He played really well down the stretch. And then let him and Pickett duke it out, just based on listening to the presser uh, from earlier today. Maybe they would compete in training camp in Latrobe. But I think what they really would prefer, Pickett's going into a critical, got to have it season. Their offense ascended as the year went on after he got hurt. Maybe Rudolph outplayed him. Perhaps it was just that they started to move on from life without Matt Canada and actually started doing some better things. But they're going to bring in an OC from outside the building. Is that a possible fit for Biennemi? That's kind of an area I've targeted for him. The only question I have is, when I think Steelers, I think running the football. And that's antiquated and probably not fair because Ben Roethlisberger had seasons where he was slinging it around. Slinging it all over the yard. 500 yeah. times for 5,000 yards or whatever. And and that was with Mike Tomlin there. But I would like to think that enemy would get an interview there for sure and get an opportunity to at least talk to Tomlin. Those guys have a bit of a relationship. I'm penciling that in as one of the potential destinations. But what's going to happen for enemy here? He's getting no run at all from head coaching candidates. Or I should say interviews like, as, a, as a candidate in these vacancies. There's nobody talking to him at this point. It seems like this season really backfired on him. Yeah, so I was wrong. I thought because of the dearth of uh, offensive minds in this cycle that he might get more looks simply because of that, right? Simply because that's what people want. They want a, a, a leader of men type, which you would say that he is, plus a, a guy with some offensive experience to be in charge of your building. There aren't that many offensive candidates right now at the top of people's lists. So I thought maybe that might just be because that's where the league is going. He might get a look that way, sort of through the back door, so to speak. But there isn't much interest right now. This is two straight off seasons where he won't get a single interview. After he was the hot guy for a few years. Mm -hmm. Remember when you thought you were the hot dad, but you weren't? Yep. I mean, that's months, by the way, of thinking that. He actually was the hot candidate. And he was right about it. He's like, I think I'm the hot candidate. And pretty much for... I don't know, every year for the better part of three or four years in a row, he would get somewhere between like three, four. There was an offseason, I think, where he got five interviews where he was basically Ben Johnson. He never got those jobs. And this is why I think, not that he chose to stay and turn down a job, Johnson did last year, 
But this is why you got to be careful about that, I think. Because it, it the pendulum can swing on you yep. a little bit. Like Bobby Slowick right now, everyone's looking at his work with Houston and C.J. Stroud, and he's this ascending star who's this masterful football mind. Maybe he's a savant. If the Texans crash back down to earth in their second year next season with D'Amico Ryans and Stroud has a sophomore slump or something and their off- offense isn't as good, doesn't mean Slowick wouldn't get a job but he might be viewed a little bit differently in the cycle. Well, you go from up-and-comer where there's mystery. I'm telling you, the, the unknown is is so powerful when it comes to the NFL, when it comes to hiring a coach or, or whatever. When we've got a known quantity, a sample's going to be mixed for anybody. right? That happens. When you're around long enough, you have bad. You have bad games. Dan Quinn, who we were just talking to Sean Sharif about, went from genius defensive coordinator for, I don't know, what, 30-some games Terrible one is latest sample, so now people want to run out of town. That's what happens in this league of reaction. So Eric Bieniemy's not that young anymore. He's he'll be fifty five this season. You go from intriguing upside hothead coaching candidate. the The narrative can shift like this as ba- a bad sample happens. Let's say for the sake of argument, next year, God forbid, C.J. Stroud slips on some ice uh, and can't play for for eight nine weeks, and it's backup quarterback Billy, and you know a couple of things regress, and all of a sudden Houston isn't as good. Is he thought of the same way? Maybe, maybe not. It's one of those things where the, the 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 all the gears have to line up, the timing has to be right, and it's one of those very fortuitous things. And the, the organization that is hiring you a lot of times has to be willing to to take a risk that wasn't there before. Again, I, I always point to McVay with the Rams, where they're probably going, yeah, it's a year too early. If he gets on that plane and goes somewhere else, someone's going to take that chance, and you you'll have missed out. Totally. Boom, he gets the gig. OC jobs right now, top of my head. The Bears is is very marketable. That's open. They kept Matt Eberflus. Although, here's the problem with that one. You're kind of taking a gig with a head coach who's on a fairly warm seat. Yeah. I mean, to, to say it differently, that guy needs to win this coming year or he's fired. It's what Biennemi just did here. How did it work out for him? Mm-hmm. I don't think he had another option, certainly not a better option. So, what happened was he had Washington as the last team that didn't have an O.C., uh, filled. He wanted to be a, a play caller and he took that opportunity, but he knew he was entering into a situation with Ron Rivera where there was a chance Rivera was going to get fired and you'd be between a rock and a hard place. And that's kind of what's happened. So the Eberflus Chicago situation is similar. New Orleans is not that different either. I mean, the Saints have an OC opening. Is Dennis Allen on, on solid footing? Mickey Loomis did a press conference yesterday, their GM. Have you ever seen him talk, by the way? Mickey Loomis? Yeah. Yeah. He did a press conference yesterday while he was chewing gum, and it was the most over-the-top gum chewing into the microphone that I've ever heard. Yeah, it's a Kim versus Pete Carroll on a gum off. It sounded like this yesterday. It was, it was unbelievable. He was like, Dennis Allen can do this, guys. Look, it's seven and nine, eight and eight, eight and eight. You ever seen uh, Bill Belichick's first three years? <laughs> like, that's literally... Uh, yeah. I don't know if you guys are as bothered as I am by, like, loud gum chewing. It's just a pet Let, peeve dude, of mine. Loud chewing. Directly into the microphone. Loud chewing. I, I can't. I, loud chewing, and that, while we're at it, slurping. You know, like if somebody's got hot soup or like cereal, I, I got to leave the room. Do, I can't handle it. Do they have a PR director? Like Someone's got to say, hey, Mickey, get that gum out of your mouth, man. We're about to do a press conference. Can you imagine that argument, by the way? Some little junior PR staff was like, ah, <laughs> uh-uh, Mr. Loomis, would you mind expectorating your gum? <laughs> Did you get rid of it before you go on stage? Backhand slap. I'm going to be chewing my gum. <laughs> I just wonder what the interest is right now in enemy. He can sell 
maybe look what I did with Sam Howell for the first part of the season. Now the retort to that might be, what about the second part of the season? (laughs) That's not going to go very well. Um, But maybe he'll say, look, he was a fifth round pick. He wasn't prepared. We did some good things with him. I guess you could just point to Kansas City. Maybe you just pretend like this season never happened. Because they'll say, why did Terry McLaurin only average 11 yards a catch? Why did Jahan Dotson take a step back after being a first-round pick? So maybe you just point to, I won Super Bowls with Andy Reid. I know how the Chiefs run their operation. And I went to the reverse car wash, and I, too, am dirtier than when I got there. Like every other coach that's ever done it. You know what I mean? Like nobody's had success there. I didn't have success there, too. You want to hold that against me? Fine. If you're him, Steelers, Kenny Pickett, Saints, Derek Carr, coach that might be fired. And Chicago, Eberflus, probably Caleb Williams, coach that might be fired, and doing the bit again Mm -hmm. where you are calling plays for a brand-new quarterback you're having to break in, which job would you most want? I don't don't think he's in a situation where he he gets to choose, but I'm just hypothetically asking. If you could, Pittsburgh. Uh, A, because Tomlin's great. The other guys are not. That's number one. Number two – there are a couple of receivers there that are good. We forgot that they're good because Matt Canada stinks and they couldn't really throw the ball. But you give me a starter could have Deontay Johnson, who's a year removed from 1,200 yards, and George Pickens, who is 1,100-yard receiver this year. That's a pretty good tandem. That's a good starting point for me. And they got a good backfield. You know, Davenport was a first-round pick. Uh, and or I should say um, Harris. You did the uh, Danny bet. Yes, I did. Najee Davenport, I'm Najee sure. Najee Davenport. I was like, does he mean Najee Davenport? Uh, he's not on the Steelers any no. at this point. I no, he's believe. not. Uh, Najee Harris was a first-round pick who's fine, and Jalen Warren is better. Than Good him. little versatile back, yeah. I think he could do a little bit of everything. So, no, the weapons are there. There's more continuity. You got a head coach that you you don't have to worry about getting fired. I, I'd, I'd like to see him land there. I think that could be interesting. Um, another one is the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns have an OC opening. Deshaun Watson will be their starter next year. I think he has stunk for the most part. Flacco's been better than him. Uh, you name it, Browns, P.J. Walker at times was better than him. But you would go work with, if you believe, in Deshaun Watson. Uh, maybe Nick Chubb comes back. Maybe he doesn't. I'm not really sure. They've got some weapons, including Amari Cooper. That opening is out there. I just wonder, the flip side, like how much interest there is. Where does he rank among mm-hmm. OC candidates? And, and is there going to be a stench from this season? How much There might he- be. Did he hurt himself this year? I, I think it's maybe more substantial than we initially thought going into this and kind of even during, right, while it was happening. Because, again, he's not getting mentioned for anything. Well, I think the carousel stops, and then it's like, okay, we can't find anybody. Open up the Brian Schottenheimer tier of offensive coordinators, and that's where he might be. But to be fair, like, it was a different story with eight games left. In other words, if, that's if, kind of my if, point. if the season ended in week 10, I think he's getting interviews. And he might even get a head coach interview. Mm-hmm. The rest of the season happened when they started playing the good defenses yep. and started getting shoved on constantly. And I think that's probably what the, that lasting memory and that taste in everybody's mouth is. God, that was a bad offense the last several weeks. And then you dig into some of the numbers and you go, Wait, what happened to these guys at wide receiver? Look at Sam Howell's regression as the year went on. Why didn't we try to protect him differently? And why didn't we do some things when he was getting sacked at a rate that would have broken some records after a couple games? Why did it take until week nine to start doing this or that. Just waiting for the alarm bells to go off here for the first eight weeks. They didn't seem to go off. Why not? Are there any pages in your playbook where he's under center? Like, There's going to be some tough questions asked, for sure. Double play is next. What's going on in our lives? Nothing to do with sports. Grant and Danny with you on the fan.
kick off your future with the law firm of Kandori and Murrah. They'll help protect your assets. Update your will and trust. Schedule a free estate planning strategy with one of their Fairfax-based attorneys. Visit kmlawyers.com. Mention G&D. Score yourself a discount. That's kmlawyers.com. Danny, send me your paperwork. I just want to make sure everything is squared away just the way I want it. I'll send it over to you real quick. Just <laughs> Don't do anything until you get it. My, my name is G-R-A-N-T. <laughs> it is time for your double play. What's going on in our lives? Nothing to do with sports. It's getting no fanfare. I barely saw previews for it. I barely wasn't on my radar. We got to go back a few years. The first season of True Detective, starring Woody Harrelson and uh, Matthew McConaughey, one of the great seasons of television in the history of the medium. I don't think that's hyperbolic. That season of True Detective was so unbelievably good, everything that kind of came after it was viewed as a big disappointment. I think season two wasn't good. Season three, I thought, was really good television also, but nothing can hold up to those two and that chemistry they had, et cetera. Season four of True Detective is called True Detective Night Country, and it takes place in Alaska. And the premise here is you've got something happening. I'm not going to spoil anything for anybody. We've only had one episode, but it's in a weird place in the world where it's permanent night. The last day of sunlight happens, and now everything is in the dark. Jodie Foster is the lead. There are a couple other uh, folks that you've seen and would recognize. The first episode, a couple jump scares. I was uncomfortable a couple different times. Excellent. It feels like it's back, Jeeps. Now, it's it's a premature call. I'm not declaring it back. That's are you a, ready to put your reputation on I will not put my reputation on this yet. This is not a John Beck situation. But it sounds like if, if putting your reputation on a program meant that you grab a stamp and you go over your head like a judge and you slam the gavel, and then you stamp it down, and it says, like, Danny Rue, seal of approval. It sounds like you are picking up the stamp. It's too early. It's too early. I'm looking at the stamp. I know where it is on my desk. I know where it's at. I will tell you this. That first episode got me hooked right in. Wow. She's awake. If you know, you know. That first episode. You, you always have to do that. Of course I do. You always have to. You, you, you know. I'm not going to ruin anything, but I'm just going to say this one thing. Yeah. You always have to do that. You're man. 100% right about me. Why That's- do you have to? I'm so insecure. If you know, you know. I'm well, so don't sh- do that. Listen, part. I'm telling. I'm explaining it. I'm so insecure. I have to have people know and understand that I know and understand. But just don't. You did great. Can't just, help it. That last part. Why did you have to do that? I can't help it. She's awake. You heard clearly me? important. Now every girl I see is she awake or not? I'm thinking the. You whole don't time. know. You won't know. It's the first episode hooked me right in. First episode, really, really, really good. Sunday nights. So my double play is going to curtail off of your double play. All right. Okay. Let's do this. I didn't want to do this, but I have to. Uh Uh-oh. I've got to put Danny Rui on trial right now. Oh, no. Yeah, you are on trial. Let's see if you're guilty or innocent. You're watching True Detective season whatever this is. Season four. That means you have HBO Max. No. How are you watching it? I have HBO Via cable. Then don't you have HBO Max? No. I canceled HBO Max because that was extra. So I could like watch it on my phone or my iPad or something. HBO I got through cable. You're dismissed. You're innocent. I was ready to get really salty because I've been trying to watch the last two episodes of Hard Knocks for a month. And I texted you, Ham and Eggers, after I lost H, uh, what was it? Max, Max. Or, they call it the dumbest thing Max in the world. Max Plus, or, or uh, I don't know. 
it started out as HBO, then it was HBO Max, now it's Max, now it's become like just X. Well, you disrespect the fact that it was HBO Go at one point. I was like, oh, it's That's on the Go. Yes. That's normal. Then it was Go. Then it was HBO, then it was Max, Go and Max Go, and the Go Go, Max Scherzer, Chuck Brown. Then Johnny Davis was at the Go Go. And it was Chucky Brown. It was, it was so many things. Chucky Cheese, no one else. Yeah, everyone was upset. Mm-hmm. I texted you people. What do you mean, you people? I mean, Danny Ruye. Oh. Garris Dameron and Ryan Clary. Okay. And I said, who has HBO Max? I'm trying to watch the last couple episodes of Hard Knocks after I lost it. And I got a bunch of, I don't have it, I don't have it, I don't have it, I don't have it, including from Danny Ruye. Mm-hmm. And then he comes out here chirping about what a great show he's watched on HBO. On so HBO. I was, I was ready to pounce. I was. I, I saw you. You got, you had that look in your eye. I was I got, a little upset. I was nervous. Because I, I know a guy who would have no problem giving you a log into an app anytime you'd ever want. Well, now. There's, there'd be also, just in fairness to who we're talking about here, there'd be a Grand Canyon-style chasm between do I have it and am I able to then share the ability to get into it with somebody? Like, me having it would be nice. I probably got in that one time and I have no idea how to get in again. So you're like, what? Well, all you would need is a login and a password. Yeah, it sounds simple, doesn't it? I, wouldn't, I probably wouldn't be able to get that done for you. Like, you, if I had it, I'd give it to you. But my point is, I don't, I don't know. All I want to do I know. is watch Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins a couple more times. That's all I want to do. i to catch him on a golf course these days. Well, the right? season's over. Yeah. But my season's not over. No, you still got a couple of epi's left. I got a couple left. epi pens that I got to figure out here. I was loving hard knocks. Yeah, it's and through. Here's, I, I made the mistake. No, it wasn't a mistake. It's actually been brilliant and wonderful, and I'm so happy. I got angry because I was so over this Tegna versus CBS thing. Everyone's like, oh, they figured it out before the playoffs. Awesome. What about the other six weeks when I wanted to watch CBS, Alabama, Auburn, and every NFL game, and they just told me to kick rocks. Here we go, Jim. No Grant. Sit, sit on a stick, right? So I decided I'm over this. I'm done. I'm moving on. But when I got YouTube TV, mm-hmm. I lost the ability to log in somehow. I don't know how this works. You lost your patch already. I guess because... I had HBO Max through DirecTV or something. I don't even know why it was like By the that. way, whatever this is, not saying you, but the general, I have this through this yeah. over that, <laughs> over that. For yeah. a while, I had Max because through AT&T, and I had Paramount Plus through Peacock, and I had Peacock through uh, Cox Cable, and I had, oh, my God, stop it. Yeah. Too many things. I just Now, I love not paying as much. It's like folding into my cost for the thing I'm already getting. So I guess that makes sense, but no, it's weird. I have Hulu through Disney, and if you have Disney through the ABC unbundled uh, ESPN app, oh, my God, take me away. Yeah, so my guy uh, Juan Romero just tweeted me. I'm at Grant H. Paulson. Danny's at Funny Danny. He said, you can get Max through your cable subscription. That's how I have it. You're right. What if you cut the cord and you have YouTube TV? Imagine you got a big old pair of bolt cutters, and you're standing right next to that cord. Yep. And you start singing a song like when Chevy Chase lights up the uh, the Christmas decorations in vacation, and you cut that SOB. But I do want to watch True Detective as well. So maybe I'll have to – I just don't want to pay for another app. They just got me on Peacock. I know. I just got on Peacock. I'm watching every Royal Rumble that's ever happened every night till 2 in the morning now. I think what Juan Romero's getting at is that you can add HBO to your YouTube TV subscription as well. Hmm. Yeah. That's real interesting. Is that Juan Romero's music right there? Is that true? <laughs> I, 
So it's I'm additional sure it fee, is. obviously. How much would it cost you? I'm not sure. I, I don't. I don't have it on mine. So but I'm then not will sure. I have Max? I will tell you this: Max was an, was not afraid to charge a whole bunch of money. Like I was like, that's pretty bold. They're like, yeah, but you can also watch these shows where they're not good. Yeah, he and charged the Nationals 215 million over seven years. Hey, oh, thank you. Huh? Who? Who guys? Who? Who said it? Go on, this Who guy. Did it? He's a guard. Who's I tell you what, it? huh? Who's done it? <laughs> I, I won't stop. Who's done it? <laughs> Seriously, this is the show. Um, That's a deep callback. That is a deep cut. Uh, ones that people get that is, one. Is it just me and you, the two? I think there's like four other people that okay. probably saw that stand-up show, too, who may be listening to the show Who's right now it? this minute. I'm not stopping. Who's done it? No, seriously, this is the show. Um, yeah, I, but they like I couldn't believe when they, we folded into whatever stupid uh, DIY network or, yeah. or reality show network where we throw wine in each other's faces or something. They're like, we think you guys want this the same way you want Sopranos or The Wire. And I'm like, that's a no for me, dog. I don't want that at all. So I'm still subscribing through cable, which mm. is outrageously expensive. But I, I got rid of the Scherzer. So maybe I'll add HBO to my YouTube TV. Here's the only problem. I, I, I need Max. I want the ability to do it on demand. And I don't know if I have that at that point or not. But we'll sort it out. So if you get, if you get it through your cable, yeah. you do what I do. You, get, you have that DVR situation. Do you yes. have anything like that? You set your recording. So you don't have to do the on-demand situation. But can I go back and watch the old Hard Knocks that way? They'll they'll re rack them all the time. They love doing that bit. So you just you schedule for new. You search for it. You schedule for new, and you get them recorded. Time to go blitzing around the Beltway. Next, want to talk quarterbacks at four twenty-five on the fan. At four thirty today. I think I have come to a final decision. I'm ready to write my quarterback take in Sharpie. I'll give it to you in 25 minutes on Grant and Danny. We'll see how Danny feels about it. It is time for our Beltway Blitz. Spin you around town. Get you up to speed on the teams you care the most about. We got a Caps game tonight. We got a Wizards game tonight. There's a lot of Commanders news to get to. Let's get it started. Bailey Johnson covers the Caps for... The Washington Post. Bailey is Alex Ovechkin going to play tonight. 7 o'clock start against the Blues at home. Once again, he's a game-time decision, as he has been the last several games while he's been out with this lower body injury. He did take power play reps at the morning skate this morning, which he didn't do before the game on Tuesday. So that's a sign that he is progressing and maybe more of a positive sign that he's going to play. But we won't find out until they take the ice for warm-up. So pretty essential stretch here, right? A couple games against the Blues, a little home and home. But, you know, everybody's kind of jumbled. And I feel like someone's going to get hot and, and either, you know, leave a, a rival team in the dust or uh, who, know, who knows, maybe not the way how jumbled this Eastern Conference is. But this feels like an important stretch for this group, kind of a fork in the road for the season, huh? Yeah, it does. And they view it that way, too. They've been talking since the beginning of January about how critical this stretch is. Spencer Carberry, I think, used the phrase make or break. All the players know how important this is. You don't often hear about a game against a Western Conference team in the middle of January being a must-win game. But Spencer Carberry said after the game against Anaheim the other night that he felt like his team really needed to win that game to get themselves some points. Like you said, the Eastern Conference is super tight. The Metro in particular is incredibly tight. So it's getting to be the time of year where teams start to separate themselves. And if the Caps don't go on a run right now, they are in danger of getting left behind. I had somebody in the NHL yesterday tell me that the rumblings are that there's going to be a lot of big-name players available at the deadline, that it's going to be a really heavy trade deadline. And I'm wondering, with all the money they've got from the Backstrom situation, if he's on you know, long-term IR or whatever, 
could they be players? Could they go out and add someone who could come in here and really make an impact on offense? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And I think it's going to kind of depend on where the team is by the end of the month. That'll sort of give them, heading into the All-Star break, about a month before the trade deadline, will give them an impression of if they're going to be buyers or sellers. It could absolutely go either way at this point. Like you said, they have a significant amount of salary cap space available that could make them a landing spot for a player that will help offensively. But they also have, if things take a downturn, players that would be valuable to other teams around the league. I've seen Nick Dowd's name get mentioned a couple times this week. Other players have come up and, you know, there are a lot of teams that need goaltending. So this this next couple weeks will kind of determine, I think, what way they end up looking as we head into early March in the deadline. Bill, you may have seen this report on this slightly, but uh, the Caps still need scoring. I think you just alluded to that. Uh, you know, aside from the obvious suspect here in terms of Ovechkin, one of the great goal scorers ever to walk the planet, who else might they get it from? Uh, who, who's a candidate to start putting the puck in the back of the net with some regularity? I think Max Pacioretty is an obvious one. His line with uh, Dylan Strom and TJ Oshie has been almost immediately successful. Actually, literally immediately successful. They scored a goal in their first ever shift together when Spencer combined them a few games ago. That line has been buzzing the last few games. The Caps as a whole, as you know, and as we've talked about all season, have a hard time putting the puck in the net consistently. But Max Pacioretty is a player who can do that. And TJ Oshie scored in his last couple of games. So that's a player who is still, you know, working his way back, but has really hit the ground running coming back from his injury. Um, Dylan Strom has been streaky throughout the year, but he leads them with 15 goals. And it wouldn't be surprised to see him get kind of on a hot streak. There are a couple of names on this team that could start to contribute a little bit more. Yeah, two out of three games and three out of five for Oshu as a goal scorer since coming back from injury. He would be high up on my list as well. That line, as you said, has been awesome. Uh, Bailey Johnson covers the caps for the Washington Post. We had Charlie Lindgren on the show yesterday. He was tremendous, by the way. It was a lot of fun and a uh, really good personality. Uh, he's clearly been their best goalie. I mean, is he now the A goalie, or have they handed him the reins at this point, do you think? Publicly, they haven't, but certainly something like starting him in both games against the Rangers, uh, their last games against a Metro opponent for a while in the middle of a stretch that they consider to be make or break, suggests that they view him that way. Um, Spencer Carberry talked today about the situation with both goalies and how, given how tight the schedule is the rest of the way, and the Caps, I believe, have one of the most difficult schedules remaining in terms of the quality of the teams that they're facing, so they're going to need both goalies. And he talked about that today, but he definitely made it clear that they know Charlie has been they're better performing goalie over the balance of the season. That's why they've given him opportunities. That's why he's going to start tonight against the Blues, his former team. It's going to be interesting to see how they handle this upcoming road trip. There's only one back-to-back in the middle of it, so you would expect both goalies to play there, but then how the other games split out will be an interesting thing to watch. It's kind of a tell of which goalie they're leaning towards right now. Bailey, you mentioned the Blues. Give us a preview of tonight, and then I guess Saturday as well. Yeah, it's kind of random to play. You only play Western Conference teams twice, and to get the Blues in the span of two nights in three days is a little bit hilarious with the way the schedule works out. Um, they had a tough start to the year. They fired their coach, I believe, at the beginning of December. Um, with their interim, they're 8-5-1 and one in their last however many games that, that adds up to. Um, so they're getting on a little bit of a roll right now. They have lost three of their last four, um, all of which were at home. So that's not really what teams like to do this time of year. Um, they have a pretty strong top line. Uh, Robert Thomas has been really good for them and not a ton of depth beyond that, but they're a team that could definitely score goals. So the Caps will need Charlie Lindgren in their defense, which has been very good this year to be on top of it tonight. Bailey, thanks for the info. Enjoy the game. Thanks, guys. Be good. Let's talk some hoops. Wiz in action tonight, 7.30 tip in New York against the Knicks, who are 24-17. and 17. I think the Knicks have a chance maybe at the four seed in the East. 
Uh, our buddy Dave Johnson, the voice of the Wizards, you hear him on the call, game in and game out. Uh, Wiz coming off of a loss to the Pistons, Dave. They want that one back, I'm sure. 7-32. and 32. Let's get a preview for tonight against the Knicks. It's going to be a big challenge with no Daniel Gaffer. He suffered a head injury uh, against the Pistons on Monday. And look, uh, the reason this team has the record it has, uh, and we've talked about this, is we're just not a good, we're not built as a good rebounding team. Uh, that's just a plain and simple fact. So if you, this team should have more uh, than the win, number of wins it has if it wasn't getting beaten up on the boards uh, and giving up second chance points. And that <laughs> brings me again to tonight. Uh, with no Daniel Gafford, that's going to add to the challenge. Now, uh, again, Marvin Bagley uh, picked up. Uh, he will help in that category, and it'll be great when both of those players are, are playing. And, you know, that's really the storyline with, with the Wizards. The trade that, that happened, you know, over the weekend uh, is what the Wizards are all about. You, you give up two veteran players that are not in the Wizards' long-term plans, and you get Marvin Bagley and Isaiah Livers, Look, Bagley at one point was all rookie first team. Uh, he only has another year on his contract. It's basically a free look. Can he take it to the next level? And we'll see. He'll certainly get the opportunity with the Wizards. And so, the same with Liberty. Dave, 10 of his last 13 games, Bilal Koulibaly's been in single digits, scoring-wise. Doesn't bother me at all, just an observation. I'm wondering, do you think he's now on the scouting report? Like, do you think now teams are saying, okay, this isn't just a kid. We actually have to focus some attention here uh, on the young man and maybe make him do some things he's not comfortable with yet. Yeah, I, I think he's definitely on, the, on the, the scouting report because, again, the buzz around the league is is the Wizards got a hit. I also think it, it plays to a role of, of you know, uh, I've been asked the question about, you know, does he get more minutes, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it, it, it's very strategic how they're, they're bringing him along, and I, I, I'm not privy to that whole strategy but it's almost like i see him getting put in situations all right go guard donovan mitchell in the in the fourth quarter of a game where it's still in doubt or go guard this uh elite player so there there was still not i think part of that story is they're still not thrusting a lot of responsibility and picking the spots with him as part of his development because guess what they can uh because of this season and i think it's you know, that's a, a great luxury because we're still talking about a 19-year-old who's, who is shown that, wow, he can do some, some special things. And, you know, he's already had some, all of a sudden he's attacking the basket and the dunk just, you know, sends the crowd in the proverbial oohs and ahs. Uh, but he's also 19. You, you want to protect him a little bit because he's not fully matured or fully grown physically, as, as smart as he is basketball-wise. Dave, I was going to ask you about the upcoming Trade deadline in the NBA, but there's already been a trade made with Detroit. Gallinari and Muscala out. What'd you make of what the Wizards did in uh, adding both Marvin Bagley and Isaiah Livers? Well, again, I, I think that, that with Bagley, uh, you know, he, he was number two overall back in the 2018 draft, I, I believe. He's not, you know, put up numbers, if you will, that, that warrant that, that draft position, but he's young. Again, the NBA is a league about fit and opportunity. You know, the most dramatic example of that is probably somebody we know very well in Ben Wallace. Look, when Ben Wallace was here in Washington, we loved him. Wes Unseld Sr. loved him. Who wouldn't love him? A guy, a lunch pail guy who works. But, you know, we basically saw a guy that's a nice role player. He goes to Orlando. uh, You know, they're seeing the same thing, or he's kind of the same thing there. He goes to Detroit, and it's the fit and opportunity 
look, there's guys like Isaiah Thomas, et cetera, et cetera. So he just has to fill a certain role and he ends up in the Hall of Fame. Now that's I'm not saying suggesting that's gonna happen with Marvin Bagley. I'm I'm just suggesting that with players like Bagley and Livers who are still young, um, for the Wizards, it's not you're not taking on a long term contract. You're taking on contracts you just have an extra year. So hey, they're gonna get a chance. They're gonna get a chance. See what they can do. Uh and then, you know, in a year's time you'll have a decision whether, yeah, this guy's a keeper or we're still in the process of moving on. Dave, thank you as always, buddy. Talk soon. Good to hear from you guys. Thanks. Always my always a pleasure, my friend. Hit that commander center, please. All right, Nick Ackridge, PFF, joins us to talk about those commanders. Nick, they're in a good spot. It seems like they went from like, you know, 700 pound dude with acne and like a couple battle scars to the prom king here in terms of the desirability of this job, huh? Yeah, a hundred percent. Just a complete flip. And I mean, it's always, it's just weird seeing, you know, um, the people talk about the commander's job as being, you know, a, a popular one and a good one and one people want to go to. It's, it's a, definitely a, a new era upon us. Hey, sorry to uh, pick a scab if it is one. I, I don't know how you view this, but um, JJ Watt like went in on PFF, I thought. <laughs> in a weird way yesterday. Um, look, I, I get that grading can be subjective and, and whatever else, but I, mean, I don't understand in 2024 why Watt or anybody else isn't okay with like just information that's available and kind of ha- you know, throwing it into the stew and, and take whatever you want out of it. Would you take out of what he said? And then more largely as someone who works at PFF, like what do you say to people that have issues with your grading? Yeah, I mean, that was uh, that was an interesting one. Um, you know, usually we hear it from guys that, you know, are on the lower end of the of the grades, which that's understandable. I mean, if, you know, if you have anyone questioning your job and they give you a number grade and it's bad, you're going to, you know, you're going to push back against it. But J.J. Uh, Watt was an interesting one to kind of really go against because, you know, for years we had to really kind of change our grading scale because he was breaking it. That's how good he was. Um, and he's constantly been one of the highest graded players we've ever um, you know, giving grades to, and it, it was just a very, it was a very, very strange thing. And especially for the, the reason it kind of started, I think is because he saw the CJ Stroud and, and Jordan love grades. And, you know, when you look at them, they had two nearly identical box score um, stats when it comes to passing yards, passer rating, touchdowns, interceptions. Um, but the grades were a 15 point difference with, you know, Jordan love in the nineties and CJ Stroud in the high seventies. And I think it kind of really did a better job of explaining why PFF is needed more than anything else. I mean, Stroud had a, a dropped interception that brought it down a little bit. He had two touchdowns that were on screen passes, and we don't really reward the quarterback for throwing a screen pass. Um, so I, I think it was a great example of why PFF is, is actually needed. And, you know, I, I completely understand why people, you know, push back against it. It's, it we're never going to be 100% right in everything we do. We've kind of admitted that for a long time now. But, um, you know, NFL teams and college teams wouldn't keep buying our stuff if what we didn't do was legit. And, um, you know, I know teams use our, our play-by-play data and grades every day. So, I mean, um, it was an interesting experience, and it, it's always fun, you know, when you get some some players pushing back on it. But uh, uh, we just we just keep on moving. Yeah, it, it's always interesting. You're, we're all, all we're trying to do is quantify what we saw, right? So two quarterbacks throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns. Who had a better game? You know, it, instead of having an arm wrestling match at the barbershop, we're trying to look at as much data as possible. But I'm in on that. Um, for, the, for Washington, though, to circle it back there for a moment, why wouldn't it work with a young upstart, you know, hothead coaching candidate? Thinking of again, just to use an example that everybody's using, a Ben Johnson or a Bobby Sloak. What might get in the way of having one of these young offensive minds uh, be the next guy or be the first guy that this Harris ownership group taps? 
Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of people are just going to point to, you know, failed quarterback prospects. And, and you know, there's no science to, to drafting these guys high. We've seen guys, you know, become Hall of Fame players, all-star players that, that are picked one and two overall. And we've seen people that completely flame out instantly. And um, it really all comes down to, you know, your scouting and, and what you see in these guys. And that's the way these kind of young coaches really kind of flame out them. Uh, but if we're if we're not talking about quarterback, another way is just you know they're they're not great leaders, and we've seen a lot of times that you know these offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, these young guys come in and they have great schemes and, and they're so good at their coordinating jobs and calling plays, but they they don't really possess the leadership ability that you know kind of comes with that head coaching job. Um, so that that's just kind of two ways that you kind of see these these young guys really kind of flame out a little bit. Nick, good info. Thank you, buddy. It's good having you on the show as always. Yeah, appreciate you guys. Have a good one. You too, Check buddy. him out. Nick Ackridge of PFF covers the commanders here locally for them. Grant and Danny on the fan, I am ready to put in pen a thought on the quarterback position for this offseason. We'll do it next on GD. Friend of the program, Benjamin Standig of The Athletic, joins us at 5. Danny, I've got cash today. First time, long time. Look at this. $15. You are flush. Ooh, you know who's on the $10 bill? I should. Okay. GW on the 1. Abe on the 5. 20? Who's on the 10? When's the last time you looked at a 10? Right you're, you're looking at it right now. Yeah, uh, Ryan. Who's on the 10? I don't know if he was looking it up or he, you, you got this knowledge. No. Jefferson? I, I, I was about to. No, I'm Jefferson's on the $2 bill, I believe. This I was is it Jefferson Davis on the $10 that's, bill? That's that's going to be a no. <laughs> that's a hard no there. I'll, t- I'll tell you why during the break. They came in second in a pretty big contest. <laughs> oh man. He is most certainly not on the $10 that's bill. That's a no there. Any more guesses? <laughs> Want to holster a couple uh, of those? Let's go back to Thomas Jefferson. How about Thomas Jefferson? DJ. Uh, it is not him. Darius, who's on the $10 bill? Uh, I, I looked it up, so I'm not going to. I don't, well, I don't well, want to. It's time for an answer. All we right. can't do well, this it's Alexander right. Hamilton. It is Alexander Hamilton. Oh, he's on the 10 Danny, who's on the $5 bill? That's Abraham Lincoln. That's Abe Lincoln. GW's on the one. Now, so I'm, it means I got the 20 wrong. Who's on the 20? Is that a Jefferson? I think 20 is Jefferson. Got to be. So Justin is on the is on the twenty. Yeah, unless it's Jamar Chase. Twenty dollar bill. It is not Jefferson. It's Adams. Nope. Hmm. Jackson? There we go. Andrew Jackson. Is it really? Yeah. That's weird. Didn't have that one in the office. I did not pool. I did not think that one. I can tell you who it isn't. Jefferson Davis. Jefferson Davis. <laughs> he is not on any money. That guy. He's not. Is is Route One still Jefferson Davis Highway? I think they're looking to change it. Have <laughs> <laughs> they yet? Or is I, it? that I don't know. Right. I couldn't tell you. Should we talk about quarterbacks? <laughs> is it that time? Let's do that. Uh, all right. So I'm ready to make. Oh, I should tell you why I have cash. By the way. Oh yeah. Why do you have cash? I've got Kevin because. Uh, all right. Play the music again. Another guessing game. Danny, who does Kevin Cash manage? The Tampa Bay Rays. Atta boy. That's the one we're looking for. Um, I have cash because I went and got my hair cut today, which you haven't even commented on, by the way. Ryan did, which I appreciate. There's any, whenever you're ready. 
Danny, whenever you're ready. I didn't. You know what? You're right. I didn't comment on it. And I feel badly about that. That's fine. Because I noticed it. I'm the first one to comment on your guys' haircuts. But well, I... but you're, in fairness, you are, like, you care a lot about hair and I people's even got hair the beard and stuff. Done for you. Well, that's what I noticed. I noticed that first. So you were making like a, like, you know the face that dads make when they're thinking about something? You're making that yeah. and you scratch your neck. Well, I, when you walked into the room, when I, I walked made, in, I you scratched made it. a lot of noise and yeah. did that to make sure you saw. I saw. And, and I didn't say anything. Went about your day. Well, I was in the middle of saying something about me mm. and I can't interrupt that. You know what I mean? I was like, here's what happened to me. And you're like, okay, you, what you, about me? You also casually during conversation before the show mentioned that you were talking about some topic at the barbershop. So I didn't know if I was supposed to follow it up and make it obvious. Like, oh, yeah. You, oh, you was that today? Were you there today? <laughs> yeah. I got my haircut and I had 15 extra dollars right here. Because you have it's a cash business, right? Ca- cash went, only yeah. business. So I have cash to use. I don't know. Burning a hole in my pocket. I don't know what to do with it. It's the weirdest thing. When you have cash, it's like, I got to get rid of this. I go months at a time without cash. There are people that pay in cash. Mm -hmm. Because I know. Because I'm always right behind them at stores. They're like, how much? $17.52? Let me unfold the cash out of my wallet. They're pulling it out of their shirt for their upper pocket. One, two, three. Shoot, let me start again. Taking a coin. They have a little coin thing. Regular cash, I I think you're unfair to people that use regular cash. You involve coins. Come exact on. Exact change guy. Get out of here. Exact change guy can kick every rock. And you've all been behind him before. He's you like, know him. how much? 57? And he's like, he's looking. He's like, nickel, two pennies. I hate exact change guy. The pits. I hate it. He's Kyle. And I'm always stuck right behind him. Anyway. Um, all right. I've got a declaration at the quarterback position that I can finally make. I've been workshopping this. Okay. I've kind of been, you know, gradually coming around on this, but I am ready. Darius, if you could get the drum roll, please. It's official. This is going to be my quarterback stance for 2024 that I will not back down from for the remainder of the pre-draft process. Here we go. People have been wondering, what will my quarterback stance be? Going into the draft in 2024. Mm-hmm. And I'm ready to announce that. Go ahead. Thank you. Yep. <clears throat> Here it is. One more of those, please. One more drum roll, and I'm going to give it to you. This is my stance. Mm-hmm. For the You're 20- announcing that this is your stance. And this is. Here it is. I'm not going to drag this out any longer. It's because, oh, come on, right? Here we go. I think. Passing on a quarterback at number two overall would be an absurd, outrageous mistake by this regime. They need to stay put and take a quarterback. Now, I will hedge slightly Mm. and say that if they move back and still get a quarterback in the top 10, Jaden Daniels would be the other option, perhaps at three through five or something. If they trade back and get picks and Daniel still at four or five or six or something, I will grant them immunity from my outrage. Okay. But it will be the first big mistake of this regime. It'll be the first time that my man crush on Adam Peters gets tested a little bit if they do not take a quarterback at number two overall. I'm putting it in Sharpie. I have suggested that if you pick very high, you should probably go quarterback. I've gone as far as to say that I would take Drake May at number two overall. But today, as I sit here, Danny, I am ready to tell you and our listening audience 
that it is official. You can put it in concrete and put it in pen. If they don't come out of the top 10 with a quarterback, I think it will be an outrageous decision and a massive mistake. Tell me why I'm wrong. Now, I happen to agree that this is the opportunity. This is essential. Just because of the timing of all of it. Beyond anything, just even beyond the idea that if they're hard to find and you've got your pick of all but one, presumably, in this year's draft, and you should just take advantage of this opportunity. But again, that GM, coach, quarterback thing lining up in terms of sync doesn't happen very often. So you should give that a shot to give this uh, young neophyte quarterback every possible chance to succeed. Not, well, we've got six months and then I've got to start worrying about myself, head coach who inherited this guy or whatever. That That's sort of that jumbled up nonsense where there's nothing contiguous. So beyond all that, I have a hard time coming up with the argument, but let me do my best. Let's just say, for the sake of argument, I don't think that's the case this year, but let's just say, these guys are the best this year. This is a this is a Kenny Pickett-type draft. This is a uh, Malik Willis is going to go in the first round-type draft. These guys are hype way more than substance. We can't take one just to take one. We've got to, we're marrying this guy to our franchise. This is going to be our standard bearer out front for hopefully 15 years. We don't think anybody in this draft is that dude. Could they sell that to you, Grant Harrison Paulson? If that were the case, sure. It's not, though. I mean, in that draft, we didn't think right now that quarterbacks were going one, two, and three Mm -hmm. because they weren't worth going one, two, and three. There was some thought that maybe Pickett could go toward the top of the board because he was the best quarterback in the country. I think anybody who watched Malik Willis play in the Senior Bowl, that was all the scouting you had to do, let alone finding out that he was a run-first quarterback from Liberty, knew that he was being massively over-talked about when people suggested he could go in the first round. This year and that year are just completely different, in my opinion. Caleb Williams, as a draft prospect, is an elite-level physical traits, unicorn prospect. Doesn't mean he's going to be a great NFL player. That's not how it works. But from a how many boxes do you check and where do you get drafted? Yeah, it's intriguing. That's special. Mm-hmm. He'll go at the top of the board, one, two, whatever. I happen to think Drake May looks a lot and resembles a lot of how Justin Herbert was regarded as a prospect. And when I watch him at North Carolina, I see some of Herbert at Oregon. I am immensely intrigued by him. But the physical traits, this is height, this is size, this is arm strength, uh, this is accuracy, mm-hmm. this is mobility and athleticism and all that stuff. You would grade him way more favorably than you would, say, Kenny Pickett, as an example, the number two quarterback in this class. The number three guy is considered Lamar Jackson-ish. Like, that's the electricity and the skill set that we're talking about. And I have some reservations about Jaden Daniels as a passer because he played with arguably the, the best wide receiver tandem in the country. And I was reading this piece about how, essentially, uh, on passes beyond 15 yards, no one in the country this year threw to more wide-open receivers than Jaden Daniels. But I still am really excited about him as a player. I think as a prospect, it's electric. I would be elated if he ended up in Washington because you got a chance to have a guy that on day one, as a playmaker, and possibly if you design something well with Ben Johnson or whoever else, is going to be your head coach as a passer as well. You can make things semi-easy for him early on and design an offense like we saw in 2012 that he could have some immediate success. But there are three guys in this class that I think are head and shoulders better than the one you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Now, I guess in this hypothetical, if Peters said, listen, man, 
I know you're upset we didn't take a quarterback, but we just didn't like any of these guys enough, and we got a really nice deal to move back. Does that make them crazy? Not necessarily, but I need them to like someone. You're picking second this overall. This was my point with Rivera. You, you got yeah. your choice of three different types of dudes. Caleb Williams, who just physical talent is off the charts. Drake May, who looks like a pro passer, kind of designed in a lab, central casting for what you want a quarterback build to look like and skill set to look like. Doesn't mean he's going to be great, but he, he's got all of that in spades. And then Jaden Daniels, if you want the athlete who can run and make plays and be a star when he's not throwing the football, who you got to probably get to a point where he, he's a better passer, right? You got a little bit of everything in this class. Mm-hmm. You're at a you're at a buffet, man. If there's nothing for you to eat, that's probably that's your issue. And also on top of that, let's say all three end up being busts and they were right in that hypothetical. Are you gonna get another shot to pick second? Then take if you don't want a quarterback at number two, then take that number two pick and try to trade for a quarterback. Do my point is this asset is too important to not come away with your QB. So I'm sitting pat. I'm not trading up. I'm taking Drake May. But my take today is. Their first big mistake would be to not come away from their first draft with a quarterback in the top 10. Don't do what Rivera did and paid for for the rest of his time here. Rivera said no thank you to quarterback, took the can't-miss non-quarterback, which somehow missed anyway for the most part. Can't completely say that because we are the defensive rookie of the year and you traded him for a sandwich round pick between the third and fourth round. But it didn't go well. And now you watch Herbert every Sunday, and you've seen Tua put up huge numbers the last couple of years in a great offense in Miami. So I guess the question I want to pose to people, and you just heard Danny's response, I want yours. Why am I wrong that if Washington passes on a quarterback at number two, and I'll even give them a little bit of a caveat to say if they move back a few picks, but they don't get a quarterback in the top 10, that they will have made a massive mistake, and it will be the first time that I have an issue to bring up with this new group. 800-636-1067 is the number on Grant and Danny on the fan. A lot of people want to chime in on this. We're going to move Ben Standing to 530. He'll have the latest on the commander's coaching search. But it is time to talk quarterbacks on Grant and Danny here on The Fan. We'll answer these calls as they came in. Lines are packed. If you hear someone hang up, though, there's one open. 800-636-1067. Danny, I have gone on the record. My stance is official. They have to draft a quarterback at number two overall. I will give them the wiggle room. If they think they can, you know, let's say that Drake May and Jaden Daniels in their mind are very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they like them both equally and they think they can get one. I don't think you can go past three and get one, but they could, they could go back to five. They've done all the math. They know what's what, and they can get, say, Jaden Daniels at five, and they're just as happy. I will allow for that. But if you come out of this first round, and specifically the top five, top ten, without a quarterback, I think it will be a massive mistake, and I think it'll be a, a, a misstep. It's going to be a, a big deal to me that uh, they bungled this possibly. I think they're going to take a quarterback. I just think that these guys are really smart and – Peters, and he's going to bring in a great staff. But uh, I want to get people's reactions to yeah, that. He, the, the fear that I think people have is that quarterbacks bust all the time. Like, that's their fear. And my point is, yes, you're right. You still have to take one. You still have to try. Oh, People are definitely scared 
You know, they, they are drafting nervous. People do not want to swing and miss. But you can't hit a shot without shooting it. So if you just want to keep passing off the shot, then you never score a basket. Eventually, you're going to have to throw that orange thing up toward that rim. Let's go to Kevin and Lanham on Grant and Danny. What's up, Kevin? Hey, Kevin. Hey, with the Grant and Danny Lytics. Let's get this going, man. Look here. I have PTSD from anybody from North Carolina. I don't want Drake May. I want Jaden Daniels. Like Grant said, number two, it doesn't come around all the time to have the number two pick. We need Jaden Daniels. Keep in mind, you got to think about this. I don't care what wide receivers Jaden Daniels have currently. Joe Burrow had Chase, Jamar Chase, and Justin Jefferson as wide receivers. And Jaden Daniels broke all of Joe Burrow's records at LSU. This is another reason why he won the Heisman. I know we got burnt before by a Heisman Trophy winner. We're not going to say his name, but we know about? who he is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but Jaden Daniels, and with, with the type of staff we're going to – okay, we got the general manager. We hired the coach. No coach that came here ever got the quarterback they wanted, even the Shanahan's. The Shanahan's didn't want RG3. That was, you know, who who won that one. When 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 Ron, when um when um Jay Jay Gruden got here, he didn't get the quarterback he wanted. He inherited a quarterback. The same Happens thing with in the league uh, Ron all Rivera. the time, right? So Kevin? right. Yep. I mean, the, the clock is wrong. The coach and the quarterback aren't linked up, and you've got an actual chance to do what every team dreams of, which is to have the coach and the quarterback tied at the hip in year one together with the coach picking the QB. The the bonus here is you got the new owner who picked the new GM, and they're all starting together: GM, head coach, quarterback. It is beautiful music to my ears. So he's in lockstep with me on QB. He wants Daniels. I'd prefer Drake May at number two, but to each their own. Throw a dart. Yeah. I, that, like either of those guys would excite me. I happen to want Drake May. I think there's just more kind of of a um, you know a natural readiness to him when I watch him, and I have a little less concern only because, as he's pointed out, I mean Jaden Daniels' supporting cast was incredible, and that gives me a little bit of nerves and some anxiety about how much of that is is kind of created by the environment he was in, but he's an unbelievable player. One thing I won't do is the I'm scared of North Carolina thing. People are going to love doing that. Mitch Trubisky flopped in the top right. five. You couldn't draft Ohio State quarterbacks until C.J. Stroud tore, you know, tore the world in half. Sam Howell last year was from North Carolina, so you can't have another Tar Heel. I think that's ridiculous. It, it, that is just a – it couldn't be less relevant to me that he went to the same college as uh, Trubisky. Or Sam Howe. Now, if your point is it's over their last two, one of those guys was a fifth rounder. I don't know if that's quite the same, but okay. So he's going to have to break the mold like C.J. Stroud just did, to your point. But he's a better prospect coming out than either of those two guys were also. Jonathan's in Mount Vernon on Grant and Danny. What's up, Jonathan? Hey, fellas. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, dude. Grant, I have to respect. I, hey, I have to respectfully disagree with you, um, I, even though I love you. I think you're great. Um, and I do think that they will draft a quarterback at number two. I just, I definitely in the camp of I'm terrified of missing, uh, you know, Bryce Young, thinking of him. And I just think that they have so many holes and that the organization is in such a transition period from going to scandal and incompetence to competence that I would rather see them just continuously stack picks, build both lines by trading back, and just show some organizational competence on and off the field first and have a more of a transition period at quarterback. Uh, thanks for taking my call. It's not a bad idea, okay? It isn't. I'm not going to sit here and scream at you. But number one, it they won't have another opportunity this good to find a quarterback. 
they're trying to do something that's really difficult, okay? As an example, I don't, I'm just picking this top of my head. We'll see if the analogy ends up working. But they're trying to buy a house. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to do. They are going to be in a market in April where it's never been better to buy a house. It's never been easier to get money lent to you. It's never been easier to not have to compete with people. It's never been easier to uh, pay less on a, a down payment. The prices of homes, that, you're picking second overall. That's the dream scenario. It's the best way. Doesn't mean you're going to f- find the right guy. But two is better than picking 10. 10 would be pick- better than picking 20. First round is better than the third round. Picking second is the best possible chance to solve this dilemma once and for all. If you turn that down and you go, we'll figure it out, and you just kick, kick the, the can, can down, down the, road the road again. How? How are you going to figure it out? You don't have the plan. You're just saying, we'll, we'll have a better team, and maybe we'll sign a guy. Guys don't become available. We'll trade for a guy. That's rare, too. Well, well speaking of being scarred, that's where I'm scarred from. In other words, I'm like some people are scarred because Robert Griffin didn't work out. Some people are scarred because another draft pick in another city didn't work out. I'm scarred with the temporary short-term solution to try to win a couple extra games. I never want to do that again, and I can't believe anybody would suggest otherwise, right? That's the part that I'm so – it may be a great solution for somebody, for some team. It ain't for me. I never want to be in that marketplace again. People are saying, let's shirk this one way and go back to the way I know how to do it, which is that bridge quarterback. To me, it's a bridge to nowhere. So we moved standing to 530, so we got some time to let our hair down here. I want to hear from you guys at 800-636-1067 on the MGM National Harbor Listener Lines. You can hit us up on Twitter at Grant H. Paulson at Funny Danny as well. Question being, they got the number two pick. Uh, I am going to really, I think, solidify now and go hard in the paint. It's got to be a quarterback. It would be a massive mistake if it isn't. Agree or disagree with that, we're Grant and Danny. We're Grant and Danny, and you are listening to The Fan. Remember, kick off your future with the law firm of Kondorian Murad. Help protect your assets and update your will and trust. Schedule a free estate planning strategy with one of their Fairfax-based attorneys. You visit kmlawyers.com and mention the show to score yourself a discount. That's kmlawyers.com. Mention us for that discount. CK just made a declaration mm-hmm. like Vince McMahon on Raw many years ago. He would just walk down to the ring, say, Danny. You're putting your title on the line tonight. Ryan will be doing a live. Ryan explains it all at our big event on February 2nd. Hey. 106.7, the fan night versus the Team 980 at Bethesda Theater. I think CK was in his office and heard Ryan suggest that maybe Jefferson Davis was on the $10 bill. And he said, you know what? We should probably. Let's do that live. Yeah, let's, let's do let it live. Let the people see that. We'll do it live. Go buy your tickets it's the fan and the Team 980. It's a huge event with all your favorite hosts in town. The Junks will be there. Be Mitch and Finley, me and Danny, the whole crew from across the hall as well. Get tickets today at BethesdaTheater.com. Presented by Main Street Bank, cheer local, bank local. Put their team in your office. Visit MStreetBank.com for more information. Now we've just got to come up with some new ideas for him to discuss on Ryan Explains It All. Indeed, sir. There's always some things percolating behind the scenes and those off-air conversations that lead a lot of times to Ryan Explains It All. We've been so busy with this whole football situation. We'll have some time, I think. We'll come up with some stuff. I am looking forward to a live rendition. Will you get nervous in front of the masses, do you think? No, I think I may have a few adult sodas in me, but I will throw this out there. I've always said this, and we've kind of stayed clear from it, 
I'm a big geography guy. I love geography, and I will put my stake in the ground right now and say I'm the geography guy at 106.7 The Fan. Whoa. He wants a geography off. That's what he wants is a geography bee. That's really what the people want when they come out is to see us all A geography quiz? Questions about geography. Cleveland borders what river? What river? You know, like, uh, I will come doing... up with some geography questions. Maybe that can be the uh, the warm up event. We could quiz you on geography. I love that. But a live Ryan explains it all has been added to the rundown. It sounds like by our boss. So looking forward to February second. It'll be right before I fly out to Vegas. A little time on Radio Row ahead of the Super Bowl. Hey, bud. February is a booming. All right, I just made my uh, declaration, Danny. This is going to be how I feel. I'm not changing this. Unwavering. Through the draft, you got to go quarterback at number two. I will allow for a slight trade back in Jaden Daniels without getting very angry, but I need you to get a QB in the top. I'm going to say top five. If you trade back, it's got to stay in the top five. You got to pick up a pick or two in the mid rounds if you want. If you like Daniels more, I would just stay put and take Drake May. But uh, we're getting people's thoughts on that right now at 800 636 1067. They have to do it, or we should be upset. Tell me why I'm wrong. So for me, it, I'm not quite as hardline, but I'm close. I would say if you move around and don't take one of the top three, you better be really smart about it. It better be right. I need you to come out with a rookie quarterback on a rookie deal. That's what I need you to come out of this draft with, however that goes. If you pass on some of these guys at the top, they better stink, and the guy that you opt for instead better be great. If you go for one of the consensus top three guys and it doesn't work, I won't be that mad. I promise you I won't be that mad. I can't see them not taking a quarterback, by the way. I think they're going to. It just makes too much sense with kind of the uh, harmony of everything happening this offseason. You've got your GM and your head coach coming in. You have your quarterback coming in. Like, imagine the feel and the vibes going into week one if you're debuting the Peters era with Johnson on the sideline and Mayett quarterback as opposed to, like, a competition between whether Jacoby's still here or Sam Howell is uh-huh. maybe your starter or some other veteran, maybe Jacoby somewhere else starting, and you bring in a you know a guy to compete with Sam Howell. You're in the Case Keenum tier again. Like, how can anyone want that? It just would be so different to kick off the era with the number two overall pick, who everyone has been frothing at the mouth to see for months. All right, let's go back to the phones. Javella's and Culpepper on Grant and Danny. What's up, Javel? Hey, good evening, guys. How you doing? What's up, buddy? Doing well, bud. Um. No, I wouldn't be upset at all, man. I, I wouldn't be upset at all if, if we didn't take a quarterback at number two. Um, if, if if Peters is as good as everyone says he is, uh, I believe we have to, quote-unquote, trust the process. Um, if, if he's an, a great evaluator of talent um, and he feels that there's a quarterback maybe in the third or fourth round, maybe a, a Penix or a, a Bo uh, Nix, um, I, I don't – feel it's an issue. If, if he feels that Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best option for this team as the number two pick, I, I don't feel that's a, a bad a bad thing. Um, and, and I comp this to 2012 with Shanahan. We all know that Robert Griffin was Snyder's pick and, and not Shanahan. He came back in the fourth round and got Kirk Cousins, and now 13 seasons later, Kirk Cousins is still playing and Robert Griffin is out of the league. And, and Kirk Cousins is playing the past four or five seasons as, as a top-ten quarterback. So if, if, if Peters is as good as he is, as, as all of us are have been led to believe, if he has an eye for talent, if he feels that there's a quarterback who's going to drop to the third or fourth round who can be a starter for 10, 12 years, I don't think there's an issue with us going a different route at the number two pick. That's a great good call, point. buddy. I mean, it's a really, really good call. Uh, I, I'm 
four years ago when everyone wanted to do the Enron we trust thing, and whenever I would have any question or comment or take issue with something he did, people would get upset and they go, Enron we trust. <laughs> I just wasn't going to play that game. No. And it, to me, his track record didn't warrant it. That, that was my problem. I will play the In Peters We Trust game a little bit because I do think his track record warrants it. This is a guy that shows up with three titles in different roles, but who has had success everywhere he's been in his job at basically the highest level. I didn't view the staff that Rivera put together in the same light. That was a kind of a middling seven-win-ish type staff, and I just wasn't going to do the whatever Ron says I'm in with. No. How about no? They didn't win in Carolina. I will do that more with Peters, but I'm still going to be a grown-up, and I'm still going to be a, a, like a, a intuitive thinker, and I'm going to be introspective, and I'm not just going to go, well, if they did this, then it's probably best. But I will say, to JaVale's point, I think it's a really, really good call. This guy is a talent evaluator of the highest order. He helped. He was in a room when they found Purdy in the seventh round, which was a fit for Kyle Shanahan. If he decides we really like Bo Nix and they get him in round two or or Michael Penix, the problem is I think Penix is now going in the top ten. But, like, maybe they trade back to 12 and get Penix. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, get me a quarterback. That's my point. I need a quarterback. If they sit the whole draft out and they don't add a quarterback that's going to be starting in September, I will be salty. Doesn't mean I'm going to be calling for Adam Peters' head. I'm not a crazy person, but I will think it was a mistake. So That's all. To, to JaVale's point, though, just to, uh, to piggyback on that, what I think is really smart is what I like now is I know that if there's a move or lack of a move or a signing or a release, there, there's going to be something that correlates. We may not see it just yet, but it, the, the left hand's going to know what the right hand's doing. In other words, when you you cut a guy or you move on from somebody and you go, oh, his replacement's in-house, and it's not, and then they find themselves in a panic. That's kind of one of the hallmarks here when we don't have a good roster builder over these. That's what this guy's doing. So, again, it, it requires an awful lot of assumptions here, but assuming he doesn't love, you know, let's say his guy ends up going number one for the sake of argument. Let's say they love Drake May more than anybody else by a long shot, and, and May ends up going number one, and they don't really believe in, uh, you know, Daniels or, or Caleb Williams for whatever reason. You don't want to square peg round hole it. So if you have moves, there's going to be corresponding moves to to fill that gap. In other words, you may end up in the second round because you love JJ McCarthy for for this system or for this design. You may love Bo Nix or 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 Penix outside the top ten. I can get down with that because there, there's a part B to every move that that hasn't been here uh, in some time. Sure. Again, though, they come out of the draft with a quarterback. Totally. Round three and beyond, or something like. That is not as appealing to me. But if it is a quarterback who is being talked about as a starting caliber player, I'm not a big McCarthy guy. I think he was asked to do nothing at Michigan, and I'm supposed to believe he's going to be some great quarterback at the next level. But let's just to use your hypothetical, in round two with one of those picks at 36 and 40, they take McCarthy, and then he's starting early in the season, fine. I want to pair the new coach, which I think is going to be an offensive-minded coach, with a quarterback marry those two together, and let them figure this thing out for the next couple of seasons. And if it doesn't work, swing again. But that is my goal. And I think it would be a mistake if they don't come out of the early part of this draft with a quarterback. Let's go to Carlos in Silver Spring on Grant and Danny. What's up, Los? Hey, buddy. What's going on, fellas? Um, Don't yell at me, please. Uh, But I I actually want us to trade down. I want us to build up some draft capital. Take a, a page of the Boston Celtics playbook. I know it's football. 
But um, but if we do stay at the number two pick, I, I want us to go Marvin Harrison Jr. just so we can have somebody on the other side of Terry McLaurin. Uh, listen, guys, I, I'm not saying Sam Howell's our savior, but I want to see what he looks like behind an offensive line, a decent offensive line. You he had a that. decent he, offensive he, line this year. They were graded in the middle of the pack. They were okay. They they gave up. I mean, there was. I mean, and it's it's not like he played terrible games. Look at the two games against the Eagles. He did really really well in the the game he got brought against uh, brought back against the Broncos. Even though they're terrible, we were down twenty four to nothing, and we came back and we won that game. Yeah, it's, he had so a few good games. He did some good things. It, it, it's I I think he just needs another another year in some offense. I, I want us to go out and get Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator for the Lions, and I think that would be a match made in heaven especially with our two backs, Christian Rodriguez and, and Brian Robinson, I think it would just be very beneficial. So you want to see more Sam Howell is your point. And while if they didn't have a first-round pick, I might be able to play that game with you, the number two overall pick and the opportunity to immediately, even if you miss, draft a guy who, in the same way when they went from Heineke to Howell, they upgraded in arm strength, they upgraded in athleticism, they upgraded in like everything that matters that you actually can grade from a quarterbacking prospect. They upgraded in. They would be doing that again by taking Drake May as an example or Jaden Daniels to, to take another one. You're saying, eh, no, I'm not going to do that. I'll just surround Sam with more and run it back. I ask you again, how are you going to find me my quarterback? Because the answer isn't, well, Sam Howell's going to become that. Maybe, but that's not what we're accepting right now. I'm saying, what is your plan? Your plan can't be, I want to see more of Sam Howell. That's not a way to, to get, are you acquiring me a quarterback or not? Doesn't sound like he wants to acquire me one. No, he it, wants to just wait and kick the can down the road a year. And here's what and I'll so say. you're not picking second. It's, it's probably unfair, and I'm putting that in quotation marks. If Sam Howell was a first rounder last year, I'd go, no, we, we, need, to, we need to be patient. Let's let the kid grow and let's get a real regime in here and let's sort of see. Life ain't fair when you're when you're drafted where he was and you sat behind a couple different guys and you had the ups and downs that he just did. You've got to make decisions in a hurry. And especially with this new regime already starting to be on board with Peters and who knows who's, who's going to be on the staff and the coach, et cetera, I don't want to saddle anybody with anybody. I don't want to saddle any of my new guys who are here to change things because the, the road behind us was awful. It's filled with uh, the skunks and deer hit and my car's broken down and the, the garbage is on fire and there's a tire fire and I got mugged 10 times. I don't want to do anything that's back there. I'm not saddling any of my new guys with anybody. Now, if, the, if Ben Johnson, for the sake of argument, comes in and goes, I want this Hal kid around. I want him as my backup. I like him. He's the perfect candidate for that. Great. Whatever you say, Mr. Johnson. Thank you so much for being here. But I'm not going to do a thing where I impose that. And I go, I want to see. I don't have time for want to see. I've got a unique opportunity here, too. They were picking 17th. I'd go, well, do I want to trade totally. seven picks to go up to number four or, you know, and, and roll with Howell yeah, again? If, I'd if probably do that. J.J. McCarthy at 26 or something versus Sam Howell, it's a whole different conversation. But the the, the combo has changed. Let's mm -hmm. acknowledge this. You have the number two pick in the country. Number two. Mm -hmm. This has been a draft that has been viewed as two quarterbacks that will go one and two kind of all along. Williams or May? What's the order? What's it look like? And you're picking second. You have a lottery ticket. The amount of things that had to go your way to get to the number two spot is unbelievable. You're going to pass on a quarterback? This is not anti-Sam Howell, by the way. People may hear it that way. It's not. I don't have a problem with Sam Howell. I'm quite sure that Ben Johnson, who's going to be better if he's the head coach here, than Eric Bieniemy was 
at designing the offense around Sam Howell and making him look good. Ideally, hopefully, he'll be better. I'm quite sure that in his second year with more experience and a better situation and maybe more balance or whatever might come with a, a new OC, Sam Howell might look better, right? Whatever leads to that. It doesn't change the ceiling that we're talking about, that if you hit on Drake May, you get Justin Herbert. I guess what I would ask people is, if I told you that in three years, Drake May is Justin Herbert, would anybody say don't draft him? I bet you there are still people that would go, well, yeah, because I want to see what Sam is. Or, man, it'd be nice to have Marvin Harrison Jr. You have a chance to draft a franchise quarterback. How many years do you have this chance at a quarterback of this caliber? It's so rare. They haven't had that opportunity since... 11 years. Well, 2020, they passed up on it. But 2012, right? Yeah. I mean, that was the last time. Let's go to Zeke in D.C. What's up, Zeke? Yes, how you doing? Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Uh, yeah, well, I agree. We definitely should have uh, our first pick should be a quarterback. But what I would um, – one of the things Peter said is that he wants to build a team, you know, through the draft. So what I would do is entertain to teams that are behind us. I know there's the Titans and the Giants. Because if we, if we can get some draft capital from them, because I saw one mock draft where the Giants were offering like five picks for – to get one of those top quarterbacks. So my, I think we should definitely get a quarterback, maybe pick number five or six, trade back, get some more draft capital. So here's the only um, question I'll ask you, though. Let's, go I'm going to follow your, your plan, right? Washington trades out of the number two spot, and they go back to number six. And then in the draft, you're sitting there at six. Number one was Williams. Number two was May. Number three was Jaden Daniels. And let's say Michael Penix went five. And now you're sitting at six, and all the quarterbacks in the first round are gone. Now what do you do? Well, they they won't be because one of the teams is the Chargers. They're not going to pick a quarterback. Someone trades so up to take them. Someone trades up in front of you. Right, but I'm saying there's at least four quarterbacks. So Penix or right. I think would be but a good quarterback. But you just traded back to six. All four went in the top five picks. You leave it up the chance that someone might trade up and take him. If the Chargers are sitting there, someone knows you're taking a quarterback. You like Penix. They well, now well, jump well, in front of you. But they don't know. How would they know? We're not the old regime. We're not going to let out our secrets. Like, okay, but how do want? you know what the Chargers are doing? How do you know? Uh, again, it's guessing. It, you're hoping at that point. You're right. just assuming that someone will be there. My point is, as a team, if you're hell-bent on getting a quarterback, you can't be assured at six you get one. I mean, listen, that's a hell of a bet, by the way. It, it, to If you move back on, in a draft for the sake of argument, we, we we decide there are four quarterbacks worth doing in the top ten. Yeah. You move back beyond number four, where you're not guaranteed to get one of those guys, someone could swoop in, that's a swaggery move. It's not something I'm necessarily willing to do with, with what I've got. If it works, great. Also, but they have isn't that to evaluate scary? Penix is equal to May. I highly doubt they're going to. Maybe they will. To me, and I like Penix a lot, I think he, he does some really good things, and I would be, depending on where you're drafting it, it could have been a good situation. If you got him in the early second round, I'd do a cartwheel. I can't do one, but I would try. I'd probably fall and get hurt. Uh, if you had the 23rd pick, I would draft <laughs> Michael Penix there. At number two overall, as an example, uh, with the difference between him and May, I think, is is pretty large. I mean, you talk about size, and, and uh, he's got plenty of arm, but he's got a quirky kind of Phil Rivers, like sidearm delivery thing. He's super accurate. I look at him a lot like Tua. Le- uh, they're both left-handed. It's maybe a lazy comp in that regard, but I think he's he's Tua with a little more size, 
and a little more arm strength. Like I think he's a better version of him. It just so happens a lot of people put Tua near the top of the league. I'm just not a big Tua guy. I think Tua is created by great receivers and Mike McDaniel, and I think he's going to... If I was the Dolphins, I'd be looking to upgrade this offseason if I was Miami. Uh, let's go to Nate in Oxon Hill on G&D. What's up, Nate? What's up, Nate? Hey, guys. How you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Love the show, guys. Appreciate you. Um, hey, guys. I'm giving you guys a call. So, <laughs> I'm a 49er fan, and I'm calling in because you, you guys just got one of uh, one of the best personnel we've had in years. Let's go. And, uh, yeah, guys. So, Grant, look, to, to your point, you guys got to take a quarterback. You, we know that. Um, my wife's a diehard Commander fan. She's like, yeah, we got to take a quarterback. Um so and, and 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 if you look at everything, if you look at all the teams that are still out there right now, all of them have quarterbacks. It's just something that you have to do. But guys, I wanted to pose an evil genius question because this guy that you guys just got is a very very smart evaluator of talent. What if, uh, what if he? You know, we don't know what the Bears are going to do with the picks. So let's say that the Bears were going to get Caleb Williams and they wanted to trade Justin Fields. Would you guys be okay? Would you guys? take Justin Fields, right, and then trade down and, you know, maybe get, you know, maybe get two or three first-round picks. Sorry, so so pick. what's the – you're saying trade what for Fields? Yeah, like, so I, th- 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 that would be the thing. I guess it would have to be like a two or uh, like a three-way trade or something like that. But would you guys be willing just to take Fields, right, instead of drafting a quarterback at number two? Not for me, no. Justin Fields needs to be paid a huge amount of money next really year. Really soon, yeah. The, the entire benefit of having a young quarterback you're developing is that you don't have to pay them a lot of money. You would be getting fields, and this is why I think the Bears would be insane to keep fields this offseason over Caleb Williams, and I don't think they're going to, even though everyone is suggesting they might. Justin Fields needs to be paid next offseason mm-hmm. massively. Like, we're talking $40-plus million a year probably. That's the going rate yep. for a franchise quarterback on a second contract. So I would be, at that point, trading multiple picks, including a second rounder, presumably, to get Fields, then paying him $40 million a year. I'm not even convinced he's worth any of that or that I'm sold on him uh, personally. Let's say that you were, though. That, as a package over just taking, I'm going to say Jaden Daniels in this hypothetical, Mm -hmm. Jaden Daniels number two overall, and having him on a rookie contract. And starting the clock at zero. And having five seasons in a row of him on a rookie contract. I would, and, and the draft picks that you traded for Fields you have to surround him with. No chance I would trade for Fields while sitting at two. Yeah, and Again, I like, it would have been possible maybe, Danny, if they were 20th pick. Right. But having number two changes all of this in my opinion. 100%. Now, I like Fields more than you do. And it even still doesn't make good sense to do that. Like, let's say it would have to be some kind of thing where you swapped two to six and... There's some kickers and incentives there, even from Chicago, to make me do that. But even still, to your point, it's your this is a big experiment. Then you basically have to decide: Am I giving him an enormous contract extension ASAP? And you're basically now tied to that person, cap wise, build wise, etc. And again, I like Fields. It just this number two pick with that clean slate is too appealing to me to move off of it for almost anything. Let's clap it up for calls today. Good calls. Good calls. Good banter. Hustle, everybody. Good convo. Agreeing, disagreeing. Good spirit. We liked it. Right? Good Smart energy on the points floor. points by everybody. Sharp broadcast. Ben Standing of The Athletic. I want to ask him this very quarterback question. We'll talk about the head coaching search as well. And then uh, it went so well, maybe we can continue to converse with the masses on the MGM National Harbor listener lines as we continue. Grant and Danny on the fan.
GND on the fan. We're taking you up to 630. BetQL guest hotline. Bet smarter to beat the books. Download the BetQL app. Visit BetQL.com. That's where our buddy Ben Standing of The Athletic is. Get you up to speed on everything going on with the Commanders. Benjamin, sounds like today they were interviewing Raheem Morris and Dan Quinn. I'm guessing those were still Zoom interviews. They're not doing anything in person right now, even with the guys who have been eliminated, right? Correct. Uh, In-person starts on Monday. So, yeah, unless I'm missing something, they're doing these uh, over the old Zoom. And, uh, you know, it's it's the preliminary stuff. And then we'll find out who the real, you know, their main candidates are once we get to the in-person stuff. Yeah, am I crazy for saying, like, I I hate to use the dog and pony show here, but the the first lists that come out for all these teams, some of these teams are interviewing, I think the Panthers had like 13 people or whatever. It's easy on a Zoom for 90 minutes to to have a coaching interview. But when you fly someone into Harris's house and sit on the couch and and you talk about their staff and you get after it for four hours or whatever, like, to me, that's the real round. That's next week. Am I kind of off on how I view this and also... How many interviews do you expect in that round? Yeah, no, you are not wrong. I always wonder, like, how often does, if you're going to interview over, say, five or six people, how often does interviewing somebody over that number actually lead to that person getting that job or, at a minimum, getting a job, you know, kind of the next year? Because it it does feel like it's, I don't know, for show, a bit excessive, a, a, a chance to say, Boy, we're scouring every you know every corner of the league for help. When ultimately it comes down to two, two or three people at most, and we kind of already predicted who those were in advance. Um, but in terms of the Washington, I don't know. I mean, you know, they had two people at the finalists for the GM job. I'm going to guess a little more than that, but maybe not more than three or four. I, I would I would assume would be my guess. So, Ben, I ha- I'm kind of theorizing. I have no evidence here. I'm just a pudgy dude in a studio. I think they already know who the guy is. I think they've already I think they already have this done in their minds. Maybe something could change it over the next handful of days or so, but I think they've got this more or less locked in. Is is that crazy to believe? Uh I don't think it's crazy. I mean, it kind of felt that way with the GM situation, right? Like I had been hearing at least for a couple of weeks before it happened that Adam Peters was the one to beat. Now whether that's, you know, a game of telephone or the, the truth, that you know, that's the part that's hard to gauge. Here, Ben Johnson is obviously the name that gets mentioned the most. I would imagine, you know, they got to have, you know, have to have significant uh, alternate options because he's going to be a, a guy that a lot of teams want. But yeah, I mean, based on what we just saw with the GM search, it's not wrong to think that at all. I think the question then becomes, who else is interested? I think if Washington really, really is honed in on Ben Johnson, I think the last week or so has gone great for them. Because when you have Bill Belichick and Jim Harbaugh and Mike Vrabel enter the discussion, uh, now all of a sudden some of these teams are going to be looking in, in those directions. And now, you know, that 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 takes, you know, ben, if it was Ben Johnson like a month ago, it was Ben Johnson and, and then, then you figure out number two. Now he's not necessarily the, the number one guy for certain teams. And I think that could actually, you know, help Washington. Everybody, Ben, standing at the athletic with us here on G&D. So if it's not Ben Johnson, who I know we end up over-talking about, who's it going to be if it's not him? Yeah, well, I think at that point, I think it really is sort of a level playing field. Like, we haven't heard yet if they're interested in Mike Vrabel. I, I think that's obviously 
you know, a guy who's had some success in this league. That would be interesting for what it's worth. You know, he and, and uh, he was a, with the Patriots at the same time that Adam Peters was a scout. That was 100 years ago, so I'm not saying that means anything, but they were. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of intrigued by Raheem Morris. It feels like, you know, this is the year he finally gets another shot somewhere to be a head coach. Uh, we'll see. That's clearly more of the – he's a defensive coordinator. That's more of the leader of men type hire than this uh, offensive play caller type because if it's if you still want offense, I mean you're kind of not down to, you know, is it Bobby Slowick who you know look maybe he's the next hot young guy, but he's a one year coordinator. That that's not that's a pretty thin resume. They haven't interviewed anybody else like a Brian Callahan with the Bengals or Dave Canales with the Bucks. Maybe that changes with Peters on board, but you know I, it's mostly defensive guys. So if they don't get Johnson based on their list, I, I guess I would assume it's more likely to be a defensive guy. Ben Standing of the Athletic. So to be clear, you mentioned Brable. You, you kind of threw some names out there. They have not requested permission to interview him. Do you think they're still going to add to their list? Or the six guys that we've been hearing about for now 10 days, is that it? Yeah, I, I think the current list is is seven. Uh, you know, the fact that Peters has come on board since they requ- you know came up with that list of seven kind of makes me think there will be some other ones, at least you would think virtually, and then go from there like, you know, uh, 49ers defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes. Peters has been uh, with him this season. You know, I mentioned some of those other offensive coordinators. And then, uh, yeah, then a guy like Rayball, I, I don't know. You know, he, he feels like he's sort of the mix. Like, I'm not putting him in the Harbaugh-Belichick category. But, you know, he's a little bit of an older guy who's had some kind of success. Uh, but he would, you know, at his age, he could be around for another, you know, a couple decades. This should things go well. Whereas like a Belichick is, a, is clearly more of a short-term play. So I don't know. I guess it's possible. Look, seven is a pretty good number. I, like I just said, there was, you know, at some point it becomes, feels like it becomes overkill. But at the same time, when you only have two offensive coordinators in that mix, I, I kind of think you would look to add somebody else. Ben, what could derail this? And, and I guess what I'm talking about is I'm going to assume an offensive mind is here. New ownership group, new GM. New, uh, you know, offensive-minded head coach to kind of get this whole thing started again, and you know everybody's firing up the bandwagon, and we're talking about all the glory days coming back in short order. What's the one thing that could say, you know, we're looking up in a few years, going, okay, it looks like we have to start over again? Like, what could derail this thing? Well, I mean, just to use Josh Harris's uh, time with the Sixers, you know, somebody, you know, Markel Fultz could could forget how to shoot, and Ben Simmons could uh, never want to shoot. Uh, you know, whatever the football equivalents are, I mean, <laughs> these things can can happen. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, it feels like they're off to a good start with the Adam Peters signing. You know, whatever coach they bring in, I know there's preferences for some over others, but whichever one they'll bring in, you know, will be viewed as uh, at least, a, you know, in a positive just because it's new and different, and it's being chosen by a new and different, you know, uh, brain trust in the organization. But, you know, you never know. I mean, you know, whatever quarterback everybody falls in love with here, you know, knock on wood, that person gets, you know, hurt the first season, and then all of a sudden things can go sideways or, you know, whatever. So weird things happen. We're all we're talking about, you know, trying to project human beings over the next three, four, ten years of their life. You never know. But I at least like the fact that, you know, they, like I said, they feel like they're on sound footing at this point, and I think based on that alone is reason to be optimistic, and then you just got to hope the breaks go your way. Ben Standing of The Athletic, Grant and Danny with you on The Fan. In the conversation here, speaking to quarterback, I have decided to put my stance in Sharpie 
it's QB or bust for me at the top of the first round. Number two overall. I'll give them a little bit of wiggle room if they can move back a pick or two and still get a quarterback that starts. But for me, it's it's sit at two and take Drake May. But I think it'd be a big mistake not to. What say you? I think I'm largely with you. Obviously, the Jaden Daniels situation is going to require more evaluation, because or at least for us to hear from, because he was kind of you know kind of came out of nowhere this year, and some some evaluators wonder if he's you know at six four is just a little too thin to, to to play the way he does and take that kind of punishment. But if we assume that he is worthy of you know a top three, four, five, six spot, then yeah, I think I'm I'm largely with you. The only opposite would only way would be. If the draft, if the trade haul that you got is just, you know, so spectacular that you kind of can't say no and you say, all right, well, we're going to, you know, try to take a, a Michael Penix at the top of the second round, that type of thing, then I think I'm, I think I'm largely with you. Ben, pleasure as always, my friend. Thanks for the time. Uh, guys, I appreciate it. Tip. Go check him out. Ben Standing's done great work covering this offseason in the athletic. He will continue to, and you can read his work there. Let's get into what he had to say about the possibility that they are pretty far down the road when you asked about that. And then also, if it's not Johnson, then what? Grant and Danny on the fan. Glad Ben Standig hopped on with us. I want to get into something we covered with him, which is, if not Ben Johnson, who are they going to settle on? And what would be the biggest threat to them getting their guy? Why wouldn't they be able to land their first choice? Uh, We could tackle that top of the hour. A couple of people have been waiting patiently to give their thoughts on the quarterback combo we were having. I personally believe that the commanders absolutely have to take a QB at two. And I asked, what say you guys? Mike's in Arlington. You're on Grant and Danny. What's up, Mike? Hey guys, uh, yeah. My, for me, it all depends on which coach we pick, and and the reason why I say that is because if we somehow were to go for Caleb Williams, it wouldn't really make sense with a Ben Johnson if if you're going for a quarterback who hasn't really shown the ability to work on schedule from a pocket. The second point I wanted to ask was, you guys have like connections with people in the NFL. I'm wondering, do you ever like try to get coached up and learn about the X's and O's and build up your football acumen and, and be able to speak the vernacular and really know what you're talking about? It's a good question. Yeah. I mean, I, I like to learn whenever I can. And that's not just hyper, hyperbolic. Uh, I do. I like to, I like to pick the brain of people that are smarter than me and figure out why and things like that. So I don't have the access. Maybe the grant does certainly, but um, yeah, it's, that's something I would always be welcome to or open to do. Yeah. It's, I mean, it just depends, right? Like some coaches are more open to sitting down and chatting than others, right? Jack Del Rio at one point this season invited people to come watch film with him. I don't know if they took him up on it, if he was actually going to do that or not. Uh, I was lucky that when I was on the beat for four years, a lot of the young guys on Kyle Shanahan's staff, including Kyle, were very cool about uh, interacting with the media and explaining things and I got to travel to the Senior Bowl in the Combine and spend a lot of time with those guys and sat in a room where Kyle was drawing up some of his favorite plays on a board and had good relationships with LaFleur and McVay, and those guys are still cool um, to me and, and to a lot of the local guys that they, they were around. They're just good people. Yeah, They keep those relationships. But I guess long story short, if, if I uh, think really highly of someone, I ask a lot of questions to them. Like I've watched a film with Logan Paulson, and mm-hmm. we'll, we'll say, hey, Logan, what do you think about this guy? Or 
Uh, how, how's this guy's blocking? For me, a lot of the opinions I'll give, because I'm not a scout, and I, I didn't play it in the National Football League, I'm going to tap into smart people. Um, but I also think, you you know, a lot is learned. There's G- Howie Roseman didn't play in the NFL. He's a general manager who's won titles, mm-hmm. right? Like, you, you, you can figure a lot of things out, especially in this analytical era. I try to, you know, pride myself on have as many numbers and information as you can. But in terms of, like, the actual football acumen, yeah, I'll uh, I'll tap into whatever resources I can to continue to learn from smart people. Yeah, here, here. Uh, one of my favorite conversations actually was off air. I don't remember the day, but Santana Moss was was here. Uh, it was a couple years ago, and I learned more about some of the intricacies of receiving in that like thirty minutes. Just him demonstrating this thing or explaining what this term meant or whatever than I'd ever really appreciate it. It's like, yeah, run fast, quick break, get open. Some of those subtleties where he was talking about what he did with his eyes or what he would do to, you know, get a defender on his hip, despite the fact that he wasn't, you know, 6'4", 225 pounds, built like Megatron or whatever. Just, I love stuff like that. So, yeah. There's also just a lot of information out there now. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people teach themselves a lot of scheme and, and, you know, some of these people doing film breakdowns didn't necessarily get to sit in a film room with coaches, right? But there's a lot of intel with YouTube and coaches who do stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, showing the play that they ran or breaking something down. I love watching some of those that. Like, like Baldinger, those Colt McCoy series that he's doing for some of the podcasts. Yeah, I, mean, I, I mean, like even at the like high school coaches oh, are right, doing yeah. stuff. Just designing concepts and, and showing you on the board. It's cool. It's cool to dive into a lot of that. You know who's really good right now who I love? Have you guys watched um, any of J.T. O'Sullivan's stuff? For, it's called QB School. Oh, my God, I love it. He's great. I have no file on that guy. Who's that? So J.T. O'Sullivan was like a long-time, mostly backup-ish type quarterback the in the NFL. Familiar, yeah. Played for the Saints, I remember, I think, San Francisco. He was drafted by San Fran. He was drafted by the Niners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But so he was a kind of a you know, mediocre quarterback, but he, he played in Canada, whatever. But he is – I've tried to get him on the show, and he just doesn't do radio for whatever reason. But uh, he has a thing on – it's a YouTube channel called The Quarterback School. And he'll do sometimes like 45-minute breakdowns of one guy's game that day. He's done it for Sam or different quarterbacks, and I I love it. Now, I've seen in the same way they would do it with you and I, like some of the coaches have taken issue with something you said or whatever, and that's always going to happen. But I get smarter every time I watch that. Mm. Like I find stuff like that that I like too. Uh, Chris is in Hyattsville. What's up, Chris? Chris. What's going on, guys? Um, what are you eating? So going uh, – you're not going to like it. It's salad. Yeah. What are you doing? No, guys? let's eat, let, you, you let him do it. You got to let him do it. We're oh, all punishing ourselves. But, I mean, it was preceded by three pieces of pepperoni pizza. So. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Balance. I love that he said, "You're not gonna like it." Yeah, balance <laughs> is the key to life, or something. Uh, what do you got? <laughs> well, I want to talk about draft, but you mentioned something earlier about what could make this all go wrong. Like we're, we sound like we we're on the precipice of a new era and we're so excited. Well, this draft pick at number two at a quarterback uh, could either be fantastic or it could be a disaster. There's nothing quite like drafting a bad quarterback that can set your organization back multiple years. I mean, look at what happened with post RG three, right? Uh, just a couple of other guys that come to name, like, you know, we're talking about Justin Fields, uh, Baker Mayfield, Jameis Winston, Kyler Murray. All those guys have only one winning season uh, with their original team, and many of them had their coaches fired. So if you screw up this pick, uh, it could be curtains for a lot of people. That's why it's so important. Yeah, it'll, I think opinion, what it'll be, 
Be real quick, because we, we got about 30 seconds left in the hour. Okay, I am totally off Caleb Williams. I see so many red flags with that guy, and I, I think he is potentially poison. So uh, hopefully Drake May is there. If not, then I just don't want them to pick Caleb Williams just because he's been so highly touted. Appreciate, Appreciate you, buddy. buddy. Thanks. I want to get into the idea of if they miss the pick, how damaging that could be, so we could do that start of next hour. On Caleb Williams, I've got some of the same fears. I'm not going to go as hard as he did in terms of red flags. Because I don't know where these rumors are coming from. But when you hear things like supposedly the family wants assurances he can, he can maybe have a part ownership not allowed. Or if, if the Bears are taken, he doesn't want to play there. No one's come out to shoot any of that down, which is weird to me. Mm. I don't know if any of it's true or not. But I just don't love some of that surrounding him. But I'm not going to cast him aside yet. Grant and Danny on The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 